in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome back into the podcast. It is good to be here. Beautiful fall day, Mitch. It is a Tuesday. We're recording this on October 25th. Took a bit of a hiatus. We recorded an episode last week. And had some technical issues, weren't able to get it edited and posted. So that's what what you're missing last week. But we're back this week with another great episode and looking forward to talking about quite a bit, including Mitch, uh, our NBA season preview uh, that we actually recorded last week, but we still have it and we recorded it before the season started. So we'll give that to you today, our NBA season preview, our NBA tier rankings, right, of all 30 NBA teams. We did that last year. Looking forward to that. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun for you. MLB postseason update, campus tour, NFL week. Uh, what are we, week seven now in the NFL season? I mean, it is crazy, Mitch. October, great time of year. It's the sports equinox when you can get all four sports on the TV on, one, on a single night. It's a great time. Yeah, it's the most glorious day of the year when you get all four major sports on the TV at the same time. It's uh. It's pretty like incredible. The, it's like the sports equivalent of a solar eclipse. You know? Oh, yeah. I couldn't remember which one happens less. It's the solar or lunar, but you're right. It's solar, right? I think it's the solar. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a pay attention to that kind of stuff person. I don't know. Maybe I, I think you're be. right. I think you're right. I, everything yeah, we say on here is facts. So <laughs> when you have a podcast, I think that's kind of what comes with the territory is you become a purveyor of fact uh, just with whatever you say in the microphone. And that's how we take this uh, headed into what is episode 145 of the sports hour. Incredible. Jeez, 145. Wow. 145. That's what episode you guys are listening to. And we appreciate you joining us for it. So uh, Mitch, we've got a lot in store today, so let's not uh, let's not waste any more time here. Let's get underway with the news. That's right. Let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports. Let's get into the news. That one came from deep, scratchy throat. I'm. Yeah. It's my it's my Real- flu game. It's my flu game right now. It's it's your flu game. It's, it's your Paul. Game. No, it's going to be Mitch's Paul Pierce game. You know, the one where he's getting taken out of the wheelchair. And it's oh, not like that pansy ass Paul Pierce. <laughs> the guy who called himself the greatest oh, wingman of man. all time. 
Greatest <laughs> wing player of all time is what he called himself, and that I about cracked up. I, At I, what I, the uh, the local uh, the local I, YMCA like? No, I, I, I mean, said wingman, but I meant wing player. That's what right. I meant. I, yeah. I understood what you meant, but maybe he is the best wingman of all I don't time. You'd have to ask some of his friends and associates, right? I don't think he that. would be. Paul Pierce loves Paul Pierce. I don't think he would be. Yeah, that is that's a very good point. He would certainly draw in the a lot, a lot of attention of a lot of people, right? Which would be good for you as somebody who would be a friend of him. But yes, would he then try to hog? All of the attention. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. That's a top like. five we need, Mitch. A top five wingmen of all time. All right, write oh. that one down. It's going down. I don't down, know yeah. how you do that one. If there's like science behind it, or it's just pure gut reaction. But I think it top has five to be wingmen of all time. I think it has to be purely hypothetical. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 just... There's no way of us knowing. There's no way to quantify that. I, like, I okay, so there's two polar opposites here, right? There's Paul Pierce, who would be a terrible wingman. But then there's, like, Shaq, who, like, I feel like okay. would just hype you up. Be like, right, no, look at my right. boy here. Look at my boy. Like, and you're just like, yeah, it's my guy, Shaq. All right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And you are, yeah, Mitch looked up like you would to Shaq because he yeah. towers over you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got a good foot and a half of me, so. I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, we need that top five in the future, Mitch. Work on that one for us. Uh, let's start in, in the news, Mitch, with some NFL news. And we're going to discuss some trades uh, because it is trade season in the NFL as teams as we get into the season, as we said, week seven, just passing. So, uh, you know, you kind of get to get a sense of where your team's at, what you need. Should you need to make a push? Who's going to be available? And I want to start with the biggest trade that we've seen so far. Uh, and it, it happened to the team that I unfortunately root for right now. It's an unfortunate thing. And uh, trade away our best player, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey headed back to the Bay. This happened, what, I think last Thursday, perhaps maybe last Friday, uh, end of last week. But Christian McCaffrey traded to the San Francisco 49ers in a deal that included a second, third, and fourth round pick in 2023 and a fifth round pick in 2024. Mitch, the Panthers wanted a first round pick or multiple picks. I've seen some reports on what some of the other offers were. Apparently the Rams were very heavy into this. They offered a second, third, and fifth, I believe. I also saw reported that they offered that and Cam Akers or Christian McCaffrey, which is certainly sort of interesting to think about. Uh, ultimately, he ends up in San Francisco, who, who continues to take shots at the running back position, right? Whether it's sixth rounders, undrafted guys, second round picks. Now we're just trading our whole draft for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I, I mean, listen, if he's on the field, and he is paired up with Debo Samuel. No matter who you have in at quarterback, and certainly when you have your young uh, Trey Lance back next season leading this thing towards the future, that's going to help him out a ton. But it is a big risk for a guy who's in his sixth season, has a big contract, and recently hasn't stayed healthy. Now, he's been healthy this season for the most part, but I, that is a tough pill to swallow when you've already invested so many chips at that position. So I don't hate it for San Francisco. 
I, I like the boldness of the move. I think that they see the talent on this team with Jimmy Garoppolo and think they need to add to this, not only for now, but for the future. But it is sort of, that is quite a bit to give up for one player, especially when we've seen them turn absolute nobodies into successful running backs. Yeah, I mean, he's owed $36 billion over the next three years. Not horrible, like, but not horrible. it's an investment. You know. it's, it, absolutely. Um, like you said, when he's on the field, when he's healthy, I mean, this guy is elite. He's elite. He's a top three back in the entire league when he's healthy. But this guy has an extensive, you know, an extensive injury uh, history at a position now that's more replaceable than ever. Like the, like the running back position is so replaceable nowadays. Um, so for that kind of, I, I, you kind of got to respect the leap of faith that they're taking here. You got to respect yeah. it. They basically got Debo Samuel in the inverse, right? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that interchangeable that, players in a way, which again, I mean, in theory on paper, that's, that's fantastic. Oh, a- absolutely. But I mean, for me though, it's really easy to just crown to just say that the Panthers won this trade. It's really easy. They get off of the McCaffrey contract, a team that's clearly in a rebuild and they get a haul of a, you know, they get a haul of a, a mass amount of picks that they're going to be able to use to go rebuild this team, find that franchise right. quarterback now. So like, you know, it's, it's really easy for me. It, I think I got to respect what the, what the 49ers did, but it's really easy when looking at who won this trade, it's easily the Carolina Panthers. No, no doubt. And I think for the Panthers too, like, listen, Christian McCaffrey is 26 years old, right? But he is in his sixth season in the NFL. So age wise, he's, he's got some miles on him, but he's got miles on him, right? He's been in the league for a minute. And I saw this stat. I think there's only two running backs since 2017 who have rushed for over a thousand yards in a season who were past their sixth season in the league. I mean, it's like basically unprecedented for guys beyond that sixth season in the league to produce at a high level. We just haven't seen it. And so you are betting on an outlier. Now, again, Christian McCaffrey could literally just convert to a slot receiver and be one of the best in the league tomorrow, right? So I guess if that's what you're trading for, if that's the worst case scenario, well, that's still pretty good. Uh, but there is an inherent risk there. But when you're talking about the Panthers getting a second, third, fourth, and a fifth for this, uh, they are missing a third rounder next year because of the CJ Henderson trade. So they pick one of those back up in this, obviously two second round picks now. And with that, you know, looking for a quarterback at the top of the draft, listen, they're going to be in the mix, right? They're probably not going to win a lot of games, but if they feel like they got to get to number one or number two or number three to get a guy, they're going to have more ammo now to do that where before they did not. And they're not done. Listen, Brian Burns is not going to be on the trading block. Doesn't seem like DJ Moore, Derek Brown, but there are some players on this roster who could potentially be on the move. They could add more draft capital to the mix uh, as they look to, as you said, retool toward next season. So a definite win for Carolina, the best that they could do for McCaffrey, because nobody was giving up a first rounder for him. So to get, all of those picks in the middle of the draft, all those shots at players or ammo to move around the draft as Scott Fitter has done very well. Uh, I think it's a big W for Carolina. Huge dub, huge dub yeah, for this, Carolina. 
Uh, just some context on the Niners. Since 2020, the Niners have used a third-round pick on a running back in 2021, a third-round pick on a running back in 2022, a sixth-round pick on a running back in 2021, and now traded a second, third, fourth, and a fifth-rounder for another running back. That's all since 2020. If you want to go back, like, the start of the Shanahan era, it gets even wilder how many running backs they brought in and how many resources they've used at just that one position. So, again, it's if it pays off, fantastic. He's a great player. That's not, you know, no doubt. Uh, we'll see what the impact is this this year uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. But speaking of running backs, though, another running back on the move. This is the other trade we wanted to talk about here. James Robinson uh, headed to the New York Jets. Uh, this comes in uh, light of the news that Brees Hall will be missing the remainder of the season with an ACL tear and meniscus injury that he suffered on Sunday. Jets waste no time and go out and acquire the formerly undrafted uh, running back from Oklahoma, James Robinson. He uh, goes to New York in exchange for a sixth-round pick that could become a fifth-rounder if he rushes for, I believe it's like 265 yards over the rest of the season. It's not really that much. So let's call it a fifth for the sake of argument. Essentially a fifth-round pick for James Robinson to pair him up with Michael Carter and what you already have on this Jets team. And, Mitch, I like this trade because I saw the rumors of the Kareem Hunt, right? And that's going to be a name that to monitor over the next week or so. You know, Kareem Hunt, does he go on the move? But that's going to be a little richer, right? That's going to be like a third or a fourth. And I felt like when you know Brees Hall is your guy moving forward, right? And you you have this young Michael Carter, like what's the point of bringing in a half-season rental of Kareem Hunt and giving up a third or fourth rounder? That seemed rich. But a fifth rounder for James Robinson, who is a restricted free agent, they can retain his rights next season and keep him on the roster for cheap. A guy who's already had a thousand yard season, you know, he's pretty good. You know, he's pretty, he's young. I think this is a, a, a great, uh, a great move for both teams. A fifth round pick for James Robinson, pretty good for a guy that was undrafted for you for Jacksonville, for the Jets, you get not only someone's going to help you now, but insurance uh in the future on on the cheap yeah i mean i was i was devastated with the Brees hall news um a fancy running back of mine dynasty league i've already gotten trading uh, you know trade feelers put out there by other people to to me i'm not actively shopping him right now i want to make that very clear (laughs) jordan i told you i'd still think about it um look here's the deal uh this this is a great yeah, you're exactly right. This is a great move for both teams. Um, James Robinson and Michael Carter. It's gonna be a split backfield. Like the I think that they have a lot of confidence in what Michael Carter can do. They just happen to get a a really solid talent in Brees Hall in the draft. And so that's why he eventually usurped him in the in the rotation as as the lead back. But with James Robinson coming in, like you said, a, a previous thousand yard rusher exactly what the jets needed to fill that void i think probably the best case scenario as far as trying to get the guy to fill that void um only giving up a fifth round pick um and a guy that's going to be a restricted free agent they can retain his rights at the end of the year so a great move for both sides yeah absolutely Uh, a few other we won't comment on these but just to mention some of the other trades this happened uh previously uh last week i think we talked about on the podcast but robbie anderson 
shot by Carolina for a sixth rounder and a seventh rounder to Arizona. He made the debut with the team on Thursday night. Christian McCaffrey made his debut on Sunday with, with uh, San Francisco. So they already made moves over. And then uh, earlier today, this uh, on Tuesday, again, we're recording this October 25th, Sheldon Rankins, uh, the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys traded for the defensive tackle uh, of the Las Vegas Raiders. And they sent over a 20, oh no, sorry. They, tr- yes, they tra- yeah, I sent over a 2023 sixth rounder for Jonathan Hankins and a 2024 seventh round pick. So defensive tackle swap there, little move, but again, I think Kareem Hunt sort of won. Chase Claypool's a name out there. You've seen some rumored interest in uh, the wide receiver from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's one I'm, um, I think could be an interesting move uh, with the wide receiver market pretty thin. So uh, some names to watch there in the NFL trade market as as the weeks move on. Uh, but Mitch, uh, let's uh, let's jump over to the MLB. Yeah, Mitch, the MLB postseason. We've got a World Series matchup coming up on Friday. But let's recap the conference championship, uh, the or the championship series between the uh, American League and the uh, National League. Uh, we recorded last week, made some predictions, which obviously you guys didn't hear, but we'll share those with you as we recap this. And let's start in the AL, Mitch, the Astros and the Yankees. Uh, we both picked the Yankees in this series. We both picked the Yankees in seven. We weren't going to pick the Astros. Fuck the Astros. Fuck the Astros. And I picked Yankees-Dodgers before the season as my super, as my Super Bowl pick, as my World Series pick. And so, you know, I felt like rolling with the Bronx Bombers again. But it was not even a contest, Mitch. The Astros sweep the Yankees in four games. And despite the fact that the Yankees got to the ALCS, this whole postseason felt like a major disappointment as all the postseason pass have been for New York, right? I mean, this is the story of the Yankees in this last, uh, you know, what, 10-year stretch? Uh, maybe five years of this recent success. Uh, great regular season record, get to the postseason, do absolutely nothing. I mean, they squeaked by the Guardians. If it wasn't for a rain-delayed game, they probably don't win that series. I'm telling you now, like, if it's not for a rain-delayed game, Cleveland's probably in the ALCS. And then they go to the ALCS. They can't even win a freaking game. What a what a disappointment for the Yankees. This is bad. That was bad. That was really bad. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, usually I'm not one to sympathize with Yankees fans, but because they're playing the Astros, I absolutely sympathize with them. I mean, this was this was just a poor performance. I mean, offense went away. We had a little bit of a burst. Uh, in game four, but it was just too little, too late. Um, Astros kept hitting the ball exceptionally well. Um, and they were doing that with Jose Altuve, who I think started off the postseason with like 0 for 25. Like, yeah. like they were doing that without one of their key offensive pieces hitting well at all. So uh, this was just a poor performance. You would think a 99-win team would put up a, a much bigger fight against these Houston Astros, and it was it was just nothing at all. Yeah, Aaron Judge was a huge disappointment this postseason after his monster regular season. And uh, I mean, just in general, this Yankees team, big disappointment, big offseason ahead of, for them as Judge, you know, a free agent. He can go 
anywhere, right? So it could be a whole new look Yankees team next year. So with all that in mind to fall so flat here in the ALCS, big disappointment, but uh, Astros make it back to the World Series. They'll have a matchup with yet another NL East team, Mitch, because the NLCS, as we jump over here, Phillies and Padres, the Phillies, uh, proved to be the Cinderella team in 2022. We discussed this. Could it have been the Mariners? Could it have been the Padres? It's it's Philadelphia, Mitch. The Phillies. Uh, we picked. We both picked them to win this series. You picked them in six. I picked them in seven. They won it in five. Four to one. Phillies get it done. The Ben Dixon clan celebrates. The Philly. The Philly fanatics. Uh, you know, good good on them. Uh, Phillies, man, they've been the story. And, and I think it was the stars. That's, that's the thing that stuck out to me. Bryce Harper having big moments, Schwarber having big moments. I think that like I, I we overlooked because they underperformed. I, that's what I want to discuss. What did we, how did we miss this? Right? Because they underperformed in the regular season. It looked like they were fading down the stretch. We didn't even pick them to make the postseason, right? We thought they'd slip out and the Brewers would get in. And then they sort of hung on, but they're a team that made some big acquisition for stars, right? Bryce Harper a couple years ago, and they just haven't really done anything with it yet, right? It hadn't led to some major success like some other franchises, but then it just seemed like it all clicked at the right moment for them. And now they're making this postseason run. Those stars are playing like stars and it's leading to success and uh, I mean, right now it feels hard to pick against them. You know, we see this. We saw that a lot with like the those Cardinals teams in the aughts and the 2010s um, that were like 83 win wildcard teams. And then all of a sudden everything just clicks at the right time and they go out and they they dominate people come postseason time. And I said this a couple weeks weeks ago when we were talking through the divisional series Um the Phillies are one of those teams that just there's something special about that team and they're scrappy. They're real scrappy. If you look at the guys that they have on their in their lineup right now, Schwarber, you mentioned Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, like those are scrappy type of guys. Like, even when things yeah. aren't going well, they make big things happen. And this team just feels like there, there's something special about this Phillies team. There's something really special about it. I I'm excited. I'm excited for this World Series because not to spoil anything, but I I feel really good about this Phillies team right now. Yeah, you know, it definitely we get a classic David versus Goliath and I love this matchup Mitch because we had a very similar matchup just a few seasons ago with this Astros squad against the Washington Nationals, right? Who made a Cinderella run. No one expected them. They were uh, one of those wild card teams. You know, they had upset the Dodgers and they make a run to the World Series and they knocked off Houston uh, and, and kind of completed that Cinderella run just a few seasons ago. And now here we are in 2022. It's the Astros. And this time it's a different NL East team the Philadelphia Phillies but it seems so it feels so similar right a stall a, a stalwart Astros team we know what to expect 100 wins again and this come out of nowhere NL East team with a lot of grit with some star power that's emerging at the right time 
And here we go. This is what October is about. This is the fall classic, Mitch. We are at, we're in the World Series. This is this is what we've been waiting for. I'll let you pick here first and tell the people. Uh, it seems like we might know where you're going already, but make the pick here. Who are you taking? There's a couple of factors here. Factor number one. I feel like that Houston has been kind of on cruise control, right? They've kind of just cruised their way through. Maybe not a whole lot of sense of urgency here. They feel like they've gone on cruise control. Philly has always been the underdog throughout the entire postseason. They have had to be that underdog the entire postseason, scrapped and clawed, at times dominated their opponent. Factor number two, I love the top half of this Phillies lineup way more than I like the Yankees pitching. I know how dominant Garrett Cole has been at times, but I really like the top half of this Phillies lineup a little bit more than I like the Yankees pitching. Factor number three, fuck the Astros. That's what I'm saying. Give me Philly and seven. Philly and seven, get the Astros, send their ass back to Houston where they belong. Uh, This is a team of destiny. Give me the Phillies and seven. I love it, Mitch. Uh, Listen, I have one reason and one reason only for my pick. And you had some great reasons yourself, my friend. Don't get me wrong. And I agree with (laughs) pretty much all of them wholeheartedly. But I'm going to emphasize the final one there. Fuck the Astros. I'm not picking Houston. Are you kidding me? I'm going to go Phillies in six. You're right. And listen, Houston, you bring up a great point here. The Astros have not lost a game this postseason. They have not lost a game yet this postseason. So there is, yeah, a lot of riding high, a lot of momentum. And as you said, Philly had to scrap and claw their way through this thing. Always fighting, always hungry. That's not going away yet. Uh, it just seems like the team of destiny. I'm not going to pick against destiny, Mitch. I'm not going to do it. No, you can't. You can't. I won't do it. I refuse. <laughs> Refusal. <laughs> Go Phillies. Uh, Mitch, let's, uh, let's ramp up the uh, news here with the NASCAR update for Phil- the folks. Phil- yeah, Philadelphia better be greasing those, t- those phone poles, by the way. Those light poles, oh, by yeah. the way. People start, don't, yeah, don't start climbing them, getting themselves hurt, killing themselves. Just do like them now, just get just get ahead of yourself. Grease them up, now. and you know what? Little thing for Philly when you do win this thing, like just like be excited, but don't be climbing shit. You're just gonna get yourself hurt, you know? Don't destroy like, your whole city over it. Just Come on, chill. Let's be excited, be excited, celebrate, but chill. You know, you don't <laughs> have to be climbing shit. Uh, yeah, NASCAR update. Uh, last week we were at. Uh, Homestead Miami Speedway for the Dixie Vodka 400. Um, Kyle Larson finally gets a win at Homestead, a track that he's been really, really good at over the course of his career. A, a, a track where the high line seems to come in, and Kyle Larson, being a dirt track guy, loves to run the top, get right up next to the fence. Um, didn't win it that way though, kind of rolling the, mo- the you know, rolling the bottom, rolling the middle, but he gets the job done. Um, at Homestead, Ross Chastain, AJ Allmendinger. Again, I feel like I'm saying his name week in and week out, and so I'm so excited to see him have a full-time schedule next year. He brings it home in third. Austin Dillon, fourth. Brad Keselowski, fifth. Um, Truex, Hamlin, Harvick, Bush, and Suarez round out your top ten. 
Look, I, quite honestly, a dominating race by Kyle Larson. He was the class, the field, the entire race. Um, I think that though he would lose the lead at times, there was no question in my mind that Kyle Larson was going to win this race. Um, a dominating performance from him. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, just kind of your standard Kyle Larson domination weekend is something that we saw a lot of in 2021. I uh, haven't seen a ton of it in 2022, only his third win of the year, but we're seeing that now this week at a track that he seemed destined to win at years ago, uh, finally gets it done at Homestead. Um, with two races left to go in the season, Dallin, next week is the final cut to get into the championship four. Um, okay. We are going to be at Martinsville. We're going on short track racing. At Martinsville, NASCAR's oldest track on the schedule. And I'll tell you what, this is going to be a physical race. Martinsville, short track racing is always physical. Um, not just uh, not just on the drivers, but on the cars as well. They a lot a lot of beating and banging, moving guys out of the way, especially on the paperclip over there in Virginia. So uh, Martinsville for the Xfinity 500, that's going to be a hell of a race to see who gets in to that championship for. All righty, man. Love to see it. So uh, is, are the standings pretty tight right now? Is it pretty much set on who those four would be at this point? Uh, I'd love to kind of get the update there as we round out the NASCAR season. Yeah, the standings are fairly tight right now, probably more closer to the cutoff line. William Byron has that cutoff spot. Now, remember, we talked about him being after that penalty being out of the playoff contention, he has fought and clawed his way back into this, yeah. um, making the round of eight and now putting himself in a round of four position. Um, he's only five points up on Denny Hamlin, uh, who I definitely would have pegged to be in that top four right now. The top four right now, uh, Logano, Ross Chastain, the underdog of Trackhouse Racing, owned by Mr. 305 himself, Pitbull. Um, Mr. Worldwide. They are they are still in the championship hut. Five points back, Logano in second, then Elliott and Byron. So good representation from uh, Hendrick Motorsports, um, who I am repping today, by the way, Hendrick Motorsports. Oh, there we go. Shout shout out Dennis for the shirt when he went to the uh, Hall of Fame there. Um, That's right. Uh, Hamlin, five points uh, out of off the cut line. Blaney right now looks like he is going to be 18 points off the cut. No. Yeah, 18 points off the cut line. So he's got some work to do. He's going to need some yeah. things to fall his way. I would really keep an eye, though, on that race between Byron and Hamlin. I think that's okay. really worth it. And Chase Elliott, he's only 13 points to the good right now. Or, you know, he's you know right. only 11 points above that cut line right now. So, you know, there could be some shuffling in there. But I think Byron and Hamlin's really going to be the points race you want to watch going into Martinsville. Okay, there you go. That's the NASCAR update. Great stuff, as always, Mitch, as the NASCAR season uh, winds to an end here soon. Uh, Martinsville this weekend. You'll love to see a playoff race uh, coming in tight here. Mitch, let's jump to the NBA preview. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to play this for you here on the podcast. We recorded this last week uh, on opening night of the NBA season. Uh, NBA tier rankings of all 30 teams uh, for this 2022-2023 NBA season. So if you've been listening to the podcast and if you were around this time last year, we did our NBA season preview for last season with some tier rankings 
uh, throwing all 30 NBA teams into five different tiers uh, and using that as a way to sort of look ahead at the season, who's contenders, who's in the cellar, and, well, where's everybody else fit? So we're going to do the same thing this season. Mitch, we've got five tiers that we've put all 30 NBA teams into these tiers. Uh, and uh, we're going to just kind of take a look at the NBA season ahead of us. Uh, it kicks off tonight. Game one is happening right now as we are recording this. That's Sixers and Celtics. Uh, Lakers, Warriors play later tonight. Those are the two games that kick off the season here on Tuesday night. So uh, NBA season officially underway. This seemed like the right uh, time to do this, right way to do this. I'm excited, Mitch. How are you feeling? You ready for the NBA season ahead of us? I am. I think, uh, you know, you're the resident basketball guy here on this podcast. I am uh, anything NBA. I usually defer to you, but I'm I'm going to make a concerted effort, Dallin. I'm watching more NBA this year. I'm watching okay. more NBA and uh, maybe uh, maybe hold my own with you in these. In these I games. love it. Ah. All right. Oh, oh, yeah. trying to fight me here. OK, yeah, I'm going to do it to him. Feels, do it to uh, him. feels like uh, Creed three. Have you seen that trailer yet? You've been you fan of yeah. uh, it just came out today. Uh, oh wow! Okay, it looks incredible. I love the Creed series. Michael B. Jordan is incredible. He's directing this one actually, mm. directorial debut, uh, and he's starring and directing in this Creed three. Looks fantastic. But we uh, yeah we'll be dueling with some basketball takes this year. A little one on one here, playing horse around the world. What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Hey, horse is actually good. I, I we'll talk off air, but I got a, I got an idea for horse now. I, I got an okay. idea for horse. I like it. All right. Well, let's jump into this, Mitch. Uh, again, five tiers that we've put all 30 NBA teams in. And let's start with the bottom, Mitch. Let's start with the bottom tier and let's work our way up to the contenders. This is a tier we don't have to spend too much time on. But this is the bottom sellers. Of the league, the teams we expect to be the worst, uh, we categorize this hashtag tank for Victor, a.k.a. hashtag tank for Victor Wembenyama, uh, the French phenom who is going to be the number one overall pick next year. And a lot of these teams in this tier are purposefully looking to lose a lot to have the opportunity to draft that kid. So that's the tier we're looking at. Uh, Mitch, how about you read me the teams that you have in this bottom tier? I'll read mine and we'll sort of discuss from there. All right. So I got the Charlotte Hornets, the Houston Rockets, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Portland Trailblazers, the Washington Wizards, the Detroit Pistons, the San Antonio Spurs, the Utah Jazz, the Indiana Pacers and the Orlando Magic. Okay. wow. Quite a bit in here. All right. I didn't have quite as many, but a lot of similar ones here. So I have uh, in the West, starting with the Western Conference, uh, Houston Rockets, Oklahoma City Thunder, Portland Trailblazers, San Antonio Spurs, Utah Jazz. For the Eastern Conference, I have the Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, and the Indiana Pacers. 
Uh, so just a few less teams. You you were a little uh, heavier there on the Eastern Conference teams. We can talk about some of those in a second. But let's focus on some of these obvious ones, Mitch. Again, uh, we're talking about this tier. These are teams that are trying to be at the bottom. And I want to start with the Jazz because this is like the new addition to this tier, right? Last year, we were talking about the Jazz in the top tier. I know because I listened back to our episode from a season a year ago. Uh, And we were talking about the Jazz as finals contenders. I was giving my take on how high I was on Utah and how this was the year. And here we are literally 12 months later, Mitch, and they are in the bottom tier. Donovan Mitchell's gone. Rudy Gobert's gone. uh, And it's a whole new look. And now they are in a position where they're looking to lose and looking to reset uh, what are your, I guess, thoughts, expectations on the Jazz in this tier? Uh, just your thoughts on on how quickly things have shifted there for Utah. I mean, it, they've shifted really quick. I mean, they got two, they got rid of their two biggest stars. Um, in or you know, I think in pursuit of what Victor Webanyama could be. Um, you, you know, it they just it it just feels like we we talked about already how they are clearly in a rebuild and the rebuild kind of came upon them very, very quickly after those, those two moves that they made this off season. Um, So it makes complete sense that they would want to suck and try to get into the lottery and, and give themselves a high, you know, the highest probability possible for that number one overall pick. So um, the jazz are, you know, they'll win 20 games, but maybe, but you know, it's like, they're 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 not going to be very good. It's not going to be fun basketball to watch in Utah, but it all pay off in the end. Yeah, at least that's what they're hoping uh, in the front office here for Utah. Uh, some of these other Western Conference teams, these are teams that were in this tier last year. No surprise here. Houston, Oklahoma City, uh, San Antonio it maybe feels weird, but, uh, you know, to put them here. But they didn't have a great finish under 500 at the end of last season. Uh, traded Derek White at the trade deadline, traded DeJounte Murray in the offseason over to Atlanta. So uh, clearly in a reset there, clearly at the bottom. Uh, one of the interesting teams that I debated putting in this tier, but you did as well, so I want to discuss this, is the Portland Trailblazers. I kind of looked at this, Mitch, as more of a thought that the Trailblazers are inevitably going to move Dame this season and ultimately end up really bad because I think if Dame is playing full-time Damian Lillard on this roster, like they're going to be better than a bottom tier team. But I'm looking at this as like he is imminently to be moved. And so that will be the result at the end of the season is that they will be one of these, you know, bottom five, eight teams. That was, that was my thought. Exactly. I think that he'll wind up, um, I think he'll wind up with an Eastern Conference team, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I look at the Knicks, honestly. I look at the Knicks and maybe even Washington. I remember yep. Washington was mentioned in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes as a as a as a potential player there, uh looking to add somebody to Bradley Beal. Would they, you know, be willing to go full all in on Dame? Obviously the Knicks, that's an easy one. So I'm with you there. I'm I it's kind of why I, I, yeah, I'm glad we both kind of put them in that bottom tier for that reason. We'll we'll get it. We'll get into this team later on, but the Miami heat was another name that popped into my mind as a Dame Dame destination. Okay. I like that. I I like even shooting even bigger there. I like that. Mitch, let's talk about the Eastern conference teams. The three that we had in common here, Detroit, Orlando, Indiana, again, Detroit, Orlando, these are, you know, teams we've seen in this tier before makes sense. Indiana's in more of a reset after trading away 
Demontis Sabonis, uh, right? They've got Benedict Matherin. They've got Tyrese Halliburton, uh, certainly building. Maybe, maybe they're more hopeful to be a play-in tournament team. Maybe they're a tier up in their mind, but I still see them as one of those bottom. Maybe they're one of the borderline ones here, but, but I think they're a bottom tier uh, on this list. Yeah, I flirted with them in the next tier up um, yep. as, you know, that potential maybe play in tournament type team. Um, but, you know, just a lot of youth, the clearly in a reset. Um, the one that actually I flirted with the most was the Detroit Pistons. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this last time that we did this of how much young talent is on that Detroit Pistons team and how promising that looks maybe two, three years down the road. Um, they're just no, they're just still not there yet. They're just still not there yet, and I don't think that uh, we see a huge leap from Detroit. We may see a lot of improvement in the personnel, the players that they put on the court, but um, I don't see a huge leap for them getting out of that kind of bottom tier this this coming year. Yeah, I love that Detroit pick, Mitch. Uh, you know, they got Dwayne Casey there as the head coach, which he has a lot of experience, a lot of winning there in Toronto, and I love that for these young players. Cade Cunningham, they added Jaden Ivey. Uh, in the draft, right from Purdue. So that piece, how does he fit with K? That'll be interesting this year. They traded for Boyan Bogdanovich from the Utah Jazz and basically gave up nothing for him too. And that's just a nice piece to add to this team. And a guy like Cunningham who can uh, find open shooters so well, like I, they might be a better team than we anticipate. I like that pick there. They'll Mitch. be one of the, they'll be one of those bad teams that are fun. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you did have a few more teams in this bottom tier though. That's the eight teams that I had. Who else did you have in this bottom tier? <clears throat> um, let's see. You had the magic, right? Yes. I had the magic. I believe it would have been Charlotte, Charlotte and Washington. Charlotte and Washington. Okay, so I had both Charlotte and Washington in our tier above this one, uh, which I'm going to tell us now. So the name of that tier is hoping for the play-in tournament. Uh, These are teams that are hoping to just be in that top 10 mix, have a shot at making the playoffs, uh, appease fan bases, make a step in the right direction, right? That's that tier above the, the seller. And that's, I guess, why I had the Hornets and the Wizards in this tier, uh, Mitch. One, because the Hornets were a team that was above 500 last year uh, who was competing in that play-in tournament range. Now, they've had a horrible offseason, right? The Miles Bridges, uh, domestic abuse, trial. I mean, he's not playing at all. And then just a few days ago, James Booknight, uh, who was a first-round draft pick not that long ago, gets arrested for a DUI. Uh, I, I mean, the, the drama around this team behind the scenes has not been good. So that doesn't bode very well for them. So I could certainly see the seller aspect. But I do think talent wise and expectation wise, this is a team that views itself at least in that play in tournament mix. Same with the Wizards because of how much talent they have. Bradley Beal, uh, you know, and, and some of the pieces around him, I think they have enough talent to sort of be out of that bottom uh, bottom tier. Yeah, they they sure could be. I just I'm not buying into it, and especially with Charlotte yeah. with all the drama surrounding them. I'm just not buying yeah. into it. That usually doesn't bode well for any sports franchise. So, absolutely. And I and I definitely debated with Charlotte in that bottom tier for that reason because you just again, as you said, you I I just sometimes you just don't want to touch that. You know, like I don't want to be anywhere near that. That doesn't bode well for success. Uh, and obviously, we're talking about teams having success. So, a uh, tough call there. 
Uh, Mitch, let's talk about our fourth tier, though. Uh, this hoping for the play-in tournament tier. Uh, so we already talked about some of my teams. I'll reveal the rest of mine. Only four in this tier for me. This was my smallest tier uh, by far. I had the Charlotte Hornets, the Washington Wizards, the New York Knicks, and the Sacramento Kings. Okay, so I had four as well. Obviously not the, the same four you had. Well, some of the same four. Uh, I had the Chicago Bulls, the New York Knicks, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Sacramento Kings. Okay, let's talk about some of these similar ones. Knicks and Kings. Knicks uh, were a playoff team two years ago, right? Regressed back to probably more than mean last year, 37-45. They don't make the playoffs. Uh, but talent-wise, uh, they're a team that would expect to be in this mix. I think this was a pretty easy one to pencil into this tier for me. I don't know how you felt about New York. Uh, same with the Kings as well, because the move for Sabonis, they expect to be a, a bump up. They aren't going to be a playoff lock, but they certainly want to be in having that opportunity uh, to make one of those final playoff spots. Yeah, I feel like the Knicks are kind of regressed to where they should be after last year. Like, they, you know, they outperformed the year before. They kind of are at where they should be right now. Um, so for that reason, that's why I got the Knicks there. The Kings, though, they're, they're, there's a concerted effort that we haven't seen from the Sacramento Kings in a while. And it looks like they're making an effort to get a push into that. Like, they made a lot of confusing moves for a lot of years, and now they're, they've made some moves that, like, make semi-sort of sense. So um, I'm, I'm, with the, I'm with the Kings, and I – Damn it, I'll pick him to get into a playoff tournament. I'll pick okay. him to get there. I like I mean, it. I like, I'm going mean, to put, put him in the hoping thing because I, I, I don't want to buy in 100%, but it. I'll, I'll <laughs> buy in 80% on the Kings here. So Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, that's what they should expect at this point, the way the moves that they've made, the way that they've built the roster, roster. That's what should be this year. But again, with one of the longest playoff droughts in North American sports franchises, uh, you know, it, Again, we got to kind of wait to see it there. So I feel you on there. I am curious about these. The Lakers won, Mitch. This makes sense to me. I get this. Uh, they were not a good team last year, 33 and 49, right? They were not anywhere near the playoff conversation. Uh, so at best, hoping for playing tournament, that is fair. Uh, I did put them a tier above, uh, mainly because of the talent, LeBron James. And I'm just assuming healthier talent means better results, means more in the playoff mix than they were last year. But I think you're more than fair putting them where they are. I'll let you give some comments there, but I'm really curious on your take on Chicago and why you put them in this tier. But uh, I I do want to hear your thoughts on the Lakers. Yeah, I, I, I just think that this team right now, it's 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 really difficult to say with uh with like a LeBron James led team, but it's not built very well. It's just not no. built very well. So um we saw what that model looks like the year before, and not a whole lot of changes have happened to that roster. And so there's there there's it's hard for me to buy in that things are going to be different that they can make. Yeah, I I had saw that you know Russ may be coming off the bench right now. They maybe he's going to be like in a sixth man role. Um, but I still don't see how that meshes. Like it, there, there's just too many ball dominant guys, too many guys that are, uh, they just don't mesh well together. So I, I don't like the build of this team. And I think that they're going to be scrapping to get into a play in tournament. Yeah. I mean, and they have a first year head coach, right? Darvin Ham, who's taken over here. 
Uh, I hate that Russell Westbrook is still on this roster. I mean, not excited this season for as a Lakers fan. Uh, that's to be fair. But uh, I am curious on the Bulls, Mitch, because the Bulls were a playoff team last year. They were the sixth seed. Uh, they were one of the hot starts to the first half of last season. And we kind of talked on this podcast, hey, you know, pump the brakes. I don't think they're going to be that, you know, they're not finals contender, but they're a solid playoff team. And they were got bounced in the first round by Milwaukee, returning a lot of that same talent, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Nikola Vucevic, you know, Patrick Williams. A lot of these guys are still here. It's a lot of the same roster. So I guess why did you bump them down a tier, put them in this uh, hoping for the play in tournament tier? I I just looked at the competitiveness at the rest of the East, and I think that it's going to be a tough one to get into. Um, I I don't think that it's it's not necessarily a knock on the Bulls by any means. I just think that of this really competitive Eastern Conference that there is, that they're probably just in that bottom half. And um, so I they could absolutely be a a top eight seed, but I think that they'll be fighting for a play in for a play in tournaments uh, berth. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point because I do. One of my takeaways doing this exercise is that the Eastern Conference feels much stronger this year. And uh, you know, you just look at some of the names. The Cavs. We'll talk about them. They made a big move uh, for Donovan Mitchell. Atlanta Hawks. Dejounte Murray. Uh, I mean, some teams got significantly better. It's deeper in the East now. It's going to be tougher to make the playoffs. Um, so I guess I that, that makes sense to me there. Let's jump to this middle tier, Mitch, the third tier, which is called collecting that playoff check. These are teams that have no legitimate opportunity, you know, no legitimate hopes to winning the finals, but they're going to be above 500. They're going to be in this playoffs. They're going to be collecting that home revenue check from hosting playoff games and uh, grateful to make another playoff berth. I'll give you my teams real quick because we've already talked about a couple of them. The Lakers are in this tier, as are the Chicago Bulls for me. Uh, The other teams in this tier, the Los Angeles Clippers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Toronto Raptors, and the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Okay. I had four teams out of the East in this one. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Falcons, and the... (laughs) You said Atlanta Falcons, and I uh, love you Atlanta, Ho- Atlanta Hawks, I'm sorry. Love it. Switch out of football mode, Mitch. Atlanta <laughs> Hawks and New Orleans Pelicans. Okay, Pelicans are in the West, but I love that for you. They uh, are. Okay, so I have, tier, I have three but... in the East, three in the West then. There we go. <laughs> okay, so who else did you have in the West then? Uh, I had, uh, let's see, Dallas, and I had uh, Minnesota. Okay, Okay, so we are we're differing on these in a in an interesting way. I have much more teams it seems higher up on my tiers than you have, uh, because a lot of teams that you've mentioned now I have a tier up above you. So let's talk about some of these uh, similar teams here in this tier. Uh, New Orleans Pelicans. This this one seemed like a pretty easy spot for me here. Uh, they were 36 and 46 last year, but they snuck in right because they earned. Through the play-in tournament, they earned that opportunity at the eight seed, went six games with Phoenix, gave them a bit of a run. Brandon Ingram looks really good. Uh, he's turned into be a, a very solid NBA player. This is a lot of like Zion. If Zion is back and he is really good Zion, then this team is a solid playoff team and should be really fun. Uh, but despite that, they have a lot of talent on this roster, regardless that they should be able to be competitive, even if he's not 
all the way there. So I guess that's kind of why I, I felt them in this tier. I, I assume you feel the same. Yeah, Brandon Ingram is fantastic. LaMelo Ball is fantastic. Um, but I I think for I think for New Orleans to get out of this tier, we have to get Duke Zion. Yeah. And we're we just haven't seen that yet from him really since he's been in the NBA. And he's and he's had injury issues and and you know, he's been working through that type of stuff. But I think if they really want to get out of this tier into a yeah, we're gonna lock them into the playoffs. We have to get Duke Zion out out of out of him in New Orleans. Yeah, fair enough, Mitch. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about your Eastern Conference teams because it was an interesting mix. I believe Cleveland, Miami, Toronto, Cleveland, Miami, Atlanta, Cleveland, Miami, Atlanta. Okay, I have Atlanta as well in this tier. So let's talk about them just real briefly here. Uh, again, Trey Young. They added. DeJounte Murray, I love that pairing. I'm very intrigued by that, but it's hard to judge Atlanta because they had the surprise run to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. Last year was just disappointing, 43-39. They, uh, you know, they make the playoffs, but uh, as a low seed, and they lose 4-1 to Miami as the seven seed. So not a great showing from the Hawks last year, but they seem like a playoff team. So they're going to be in that mix, but like, can they jump up a tier? I don't know. I, I didn't feel great about putting them up. I felt pretty solid about them in the in that middle tier. How did you how did you feel? Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable with them there. I think that Trey Young can only carry them so far and he's carrying them about as far as he can without any help. So I, I think that, you know, Atlanta's is suited just right to be in that six to eight C range. Um, but anything other than that, I think is anything higher than that is just a is a little bit out of reach, I think, in my yeah. mind. I think that's fair. Uh, talk me through Cleveland here. Uh, the Cavs, solid season last year. They were one of the early season surprises. They ended up 44 and 33 and missing the playoffs through the play-in tournament, but had a really fast start. Evan Mobley, their uh, rookie last year, had a really solid season. Darius Garland emerged as an all-star guard. Jared Allen on that team. And then they go and add Donovan Mitchell to this roster, giving them a bona fide superstar and an offensive threat that they can rely on game in and game out. I'm pretty high on the Cavs this year, Mitch. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty high on Cleveland. What, what, why are you feeling middle tier? I guess is it, they're still a lot of unknown. They're going to be in the playoffs, but I don't know how they fit in the pecking order of the East. Um, I'm going to be honest, Alan. I forgot Donovan Mitchell was in Cleveland. <laughs> I, <laughs> um, I love it. I'm going to be. So I'm actually going to move them up a tier to be honest. Okay. I'm, All I'm right. Amending it Let's right do now it. Um, because that changes everything. I, I completely forgot. This is how fast this all happened, right? Like I, I just, mean, it, I for, in the I last totally couple forgot. weeks, you know, yeah, I mean, it really was. It was in the last month of the off season that it happened. So I, I completely forgot. So no, I'm moving them <laughs> up a tier. So our conversation about Cleveland, well, I'll, you know what? We'll do it right now since we're talking about Cleveland. Um, sure. Yes. Yeah, they're, no, in the, is, they're in the above tier, which by the way is called bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> it means that you could get close, but you're just never going to get there. You're not there yet. It's not going to happen for you. Uh, yes, uh, we both have the I, calves here. I feel like such a dummy. That's so funny. <laughs> um, 
No, yeah. I mean, look, with Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, you mentioned, um, I believe, is Laurie Markkinen still there? No, he went. He came over in the jazz to the Jazz. Oh, that's right. He came over to the Jazz as part of that trade. Colin Sexton came over as part of that trade. But Isaac Okoro, the young forward out of Auburn, I believe he's maybe in his second or third year. Uh, He's on that team as a as a rotational piece. Karis Levert. Uh, Karis Levert may be on that roster still. I don't know where he ended up, but uh, but he was on last year. But this is a train wreck. Okay, yeah, no, I'm much higher on the. I'm much higher on Cleveland than than what I thought because yeah. Donovan Mitchell is that much big of a dip. Is, is that Karis Levert is their starting small forward. So well done. Okay, Mitch. I love it. You're good. I love it. So yeah, no, no, I, no. I I think I think the hard thing with Cleveland ultimately is just that we just don't know. It was a young team that was surprisingly good last year, and then now they've added this all-star talent guard. What does that mean, though? Right? What is where does that take them ultimately? Tough to say. Which is why I felt pretty good with that bridesmaid, but never the not but never the bride. You know, they're going to be in that mix. They may be a top half seed even uh three or four seed in the east but i don't know if they're going to be a legit finals contender uh when it's all said and done because it's just too young they need more time uh probably more time to gel together but it is a certainly a fun young nucleus they have there in cleveland uh mitch let's talk about miami though biggest surprise here for me is you having miami in this middle tier mitch i have miami in our final contender ring chaser tier the top tier because it's the Miami Heat. They went to the Eastern Conference Finals last two seasons. They went to the finals the year before that. Uh, I know they haven't got much younger, and they certainly haven't necessarily gotten better. But they also haven't really gotten worse. So, I don't know. I see Miami as one of those legit contenders in the league this year. You feel otherwise. <sighs> Again, the competitiveness of the West or the East. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, I feel like, that first year they did it, they were kind of a surprise, right? It was kind of a surprise to see them there. The second year they did it, it was like a okay, wow, this team is still around, is still around to go. And I love, I've, I've talked about how much of a stone cold killer Jimmy Butler is in the playoffs, and how much of a stone cold killer he is all the time. Bam out of bio, great defensive player. Kyle Lowry, great point guard. I just think that the beast is so competitive that they're going to have a tough time getting through those interconference matchups. And, you know, they'll be a playoff team. Like, I'm not doubting that at all. They're going to be a playoff team no matter what. But to put them in that three to four range is like I'm a little skeptical about it because of how many good teams are in the East. Uh, Maybe that five to six range is more like where it's at. So if we're talking about like putting a tier within a tier, they're in the upper part of that tier. So fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I think with Miami, Mitch, and I and I totally get you there, because, again, I do think we might see a shift in the hierarchy in the Eastern Conference this season uh, with some of the moves and some of the teams emerging. Uh, And I do. I I, so I feel you there, but I I just think Miami is going to be up there. They were the best record in the Eastern Conference last year, went to the Eastern Conference finals. uh, And so I, I just think that they're in those top tiers. But I get what you're saying here. Uh, with putting them in this, uh, they're going to be in the playoffs, no doubt, mix. Uh, there is a team I had in this middle tier here that we haven't talked about, and I don't know where you have them, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers. The Los Angeles Clippers, you have the Matera up, you have the Bridesmaid, never the Bright. So let's talk about the Clippers here, Mitch, because I guess in a similar way to the conversation we've just been having, 
I look at the hierarchy of the Western Conference and I see the Clippers as clear tiers below a lot of the top teams as far as competitiveness. So to me, I see them as a six, seven seed. It's going to make the playoffs, but I, I mean, we haven't been able to rely on Kawhi and Paul George healthy. We haven't been able to rely on it. So can we rely on it coming down the stretch of this season? Like who's to say, I mean, sure. If it's all healthy, they should be one of the best teams, but just haven't seen it. So I don't know about the Clippers. That was a tough one for me. I I 100% get it. I think that I'm, I think I am a prisoner of once again, buying into Clippers hype. Yeah. And, and I'll just, and uh, like, I'm just banking on the fact that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are going to be healthy at the same time and that things are going to go right. Um, It's not real. There's not a whole lot of rationale behind it, but I think that buying into that is just kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And I, I, I am okay with that. I am secure in my feelings about the Los Angeles. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I also had the Toronto Raptors in this middle tier. I'm assuming you had them a tier up as well. Yes, it did. Okay. Let's talk about Toronto real quick. 48 wins last year. They were the five seed in the East. They fall in the first round in six games to Philly. Uh, This was a young team that we didn't expect to be a playoff team in our rankings. We had them in like that fourth tier. Uh, play-in tournament, right? Resetting uh, the roster in some ways, but they were surprisingly competitive last year. I, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't put them above that. I think they're solidly in this playoff mix, which is why I put them in this middle tier. I, I couldn't talk myself into putting them above that with some of the other teams uh, in, in that grouping, including the Cavs, who I am higher on, but uh, I, I can kind of understand them in either of these positions. I'm assuming that's how you felt about uh, the Raptors. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I love the trio of Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent and Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Like I love that trio. And I think that that makes them a super competitive team. OG and Obi is another one that I really love. And I think that they're, I think that this team is, they're not going to blow you away, but they're going to play really good defensive basketball and be sneaky good. So that's why I just kind of I put them in that next tier, maybe maybe slightly influenced by recency bias, but also that I just I love the build that they have right now. Yeah, they have a solid roster, so many good role players and they don't have that star, but it doesn't it didn't matter last year. They still won 48 games. It, it didn't matter for the regular season. It will matter come postseason, but. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah, I mean, they have one of the best rosters uh, full of role players there. That's, that's a good call there. Mitch, let's jump up to this bridesmaid, but never the bride tier uh, just outside of those ring chasers, those top guys. Let's rate off our tiers and cover any of the teams we haven't discussed yet. I'll go first here. My five teams in this tier, Mitch, Philadelphia 76ers, Cleveland Cavaliers, Brooklyn Nets, Dallas Mavericks, Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay, so I had seven total. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who I completely forgot, had Donovan Mitchell. Um, <laughs> the Toronto Raptors and the Clippers, who we just discussed. Right. Outside, Oh, and the Toronto Raptors. Right. Um, so outside of that, we have the Brooklyn Nets, the Denver Nuggets, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, let's talk in this, about these Eastern Conference teams, the Nets and the Sixers instinctively, Mitch, I put Nets originally in the top tier. And then I said to myself, what am I doing? I can't just put Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the top tier because of the talent. They have not been a championship contender. 
They just haven't. They haven't been to an Eastern Conference Finals. If you haven't even been to the Conference Finals, you can't be a, a, a contender. I mean, like, we can't be looking at you like that every year with how many injuries and everything that they've gone through. So I knocked him down a tier. That was my thought on that. The talent is clearly there. The same with Philly, right? Joel Embiid, James Harden, the talent is all clearly there, but we haven't seen these teams put it together. Neither of those squads in their current iterations have made a conference finals. So until we see it, it's hard to put them in that top tier with some of those other teams. See, and I was the complete opposite with you. I instinctually put the Nets in the yeah. second tier because I'm like, you like, knew better. You, they, they have all the <laughs> talent, but we haven't seen it. Yep. Like we just haven't seen it. And so like, what reason have they given me to put them anything above this? Like, and this is like, I mean, quite honestly, I could put them in the B tier or the, you know, the third tier down and feel okay with it because we just haven't yeah. seen it. Like they've because Katie's only playing 45 games and Kyrie's only good for like maybe 12, you know I mean? Like, Who the hell knows? So. Yeah. It's, 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 we yep. have never seen this come to fruition. And so like, I think I'm being generous putting him in this second tier. So yeah, that's fair. Was there any thought about Philly in the top tier or were you pretty solid on them in this, uh, second tier here. No, I was pretty solid with them. I think that they're just always that one move away, and like they go to try and make that one move, and it's not the right move. Never so, works. Like, yeah, it never works. So like, I I think that they got a great chord there. Joel Embiid is a perennial All Star, um, it, maybe a perennial MVP candidate from what the play that we he saw has from been. him last year. So he has like, been, yeah. So like we you know we know what they have. But like it's they're just they haven't been able to put it all together. And until they do, I don't have any reason to put them in that top tier. Yeah, I think it's Doc Rivers for me. That's what's keeping them out of the top tier. <laughs> I think it's Doc Rivers. Everyone hates on Doc. <laughs> I think that might be it. Uh, Mitch. OK, so we had different if I if I remember right, we had different Western Conference finals teams in here. I had the Mavs and the T-Wolves. And you didn't have either of those teams in this tier, correct? No, I didn't. They were in the tier below. The tier below. Oh, so, oh, that's right. Okay, so we missed that. So the Mavs and the T-Wars were both in your middle tier. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about those. I didn't realize that we'd missed those. So, okay, so I'm interested here, Mitch. So let's start with Dallas. So Dallas has a great run in the playoffs last year, right? Makes the Western Conference Finals with Luka. Luka upsets Phoenix, right? They they beat, they upset the Jazz. A great, great run, but they fall to Golden State for one. My reason for not putting them in the top, top tier, because again, based on this argument, they made it to Western Conference Finals. Shouldn't they be ring chasers? Shouldn't they be top tier? My problem, Mitch, is that the roster is not sustainable for success. They're asking Luca to do too much still, and they haven't improved this roster at all. They didn't improve it at all from last year. They did literally nothing to this roster last year that clearly had glaring holes. So they're not a ring chaser. They're not a true contender. That's why I had them in the second tier. What's, I guess, your thought in putting them in that middle tier, collecting the playoff check? I think that they'll, they'll I mean, they'll be a playoff team. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, I just... We, and we saw it in, with the exception of a few games. We, with the except, like I know Jalen Brunson had some really good games for him. Right. Um. But for the except, with the outside of those exceptions, Luca had to carry that team. 
Luca was putting that team on his back. And I think that Luca just physically, he's got all the basketball talent in the world, but physically, I don't know if he can withstand a full NBA playoffs doing that. No. And I, at least right now, like, of course he can get in better shape. And, you know, obviously like that was, that was the big criticism right. for him. He's, so, but he's not a LeBron type though. He's not in no. that physical, that peak physical specimen type of like the strength and endurance. He's like never been Luca. He's a great basketball player. He's not a great exactly. athlete. It's right. like, it's so like, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's where we're at with Luca. And so like, can I put a guy that that's got to put his team on his back in that second tier? I, I can't, I can't. Like they'll be they'll be a playoff team and they'll be competitive, but like and they may make a run, but I can't I can't put them any higher than that. Yeah, he needs help, like uh like legitimate help. And I think that is I think that's my worry, right? Jalen Brunson goes off in the playoffs, he goes to get the big contract from the Knicks, that's all fine and dandy, and they didn't really add anything to help Luca significantly this season. And so I think they're just gonna find themselves in the same spot. Uh, next season. I mean, I think they got lucky going to the finals. I don't think they go to the Western Conference finals this next year. I don't think they get there with this no. roster unless they significantly improve it. Now, if Damian Lillard is available, well, hey, we're talking about Damian Lillard uh, locations. Damn, That'd I'm kind of, you know, if you're Dallas and you feel like it needs finally time to make the fucking move, that might be the one to make. Uh, well, that takes but, that takes scoring. That takes so much scoring pressure off Luca. Like it takes all the pressure off Luca. You could he can he doesn't have he, to average thirty a game. You know he you could put him on the bench for six minutes and be okay and not go down ten points. You know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitch, the other team here, the Minnesota Timberwolves. You had them in the middle tier. I had them bridesmaid, never the bride, because. I'm a little higher in Minnesota this year, 46 and 36 last year. They make the playoffs uh, as the seven seed competitive series against Memphis. They lose that four to two, but then they obviously make the big move in acquiring Rudy Gobert this off season and pairing him with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, who are two stars already. And you just given them the best defensive player in the league. I just think this roster is just really good now, really good to the point that it's going to be hard for them not to win like 50 plus games. And it's going to be hard for them not to be, you know, one of those super competitive teams at the end of the season. I don't know if they're ring chasers yet. I don't know if they're finals contenders yet because we've never seen them be that as a franchise, as this iteration. But I just think talent wise, there's no question they're one of the top teams in the West now. Uh, as long as Anthony Edwards continues to develop the way that he is, uh, Rudy Gobert taking defensive pressure off of Carl Anthony Towns and allowing him to be in even more of an offensive threat is a uh, a great, a very exciting uh, potential you know storyline this year. So I'm very high on Minnesota. I think it's going to be good in the regular season, maybe not postseason. So that's why I had them tier two. You had them tier three playoffs. Yeah, I think that it's. It, I didn't put them as a as a bridesmaid team because it's a prove it year for for Minnesota for me. Like they okay, bring in yeah. they bring in the big piece with Rudy Gobert to pair up Carl Anthony Towns. Seems like you know they're gonna have two absolute monsters in the middle there. Um, I think it's also a big year for Aunt D'Angelo Russell. I think mm. that like he he's got all this point guard potential and all this potential to absolutely be a monster 
when it comes to assists, can he can he offload some of that scoring onto Rudy Gobert, off to Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and become a 10 plus assist game a guy because he hasn't been that yet in his career. I think now he has the perfect opportunity to do that and be a true floor general. So like it's a big prove it year for me with Minnesota. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair, Mitch. I'm buying in a little more on that. You're being a little more cautious. That's probably the right call there with this uh, Timberwolves franchise. Let's talk about the top tier. No, not a lot of surprises here. These are the ring chasers, legitimate NBA finals contenders. Uh, Mitch, read me your top tier and then I will go over mine. All right. I got four. I got four. Only four. Okay. Out of the West, we got Golden State. We got Memphis. Out of the East, we got Milwaukee and we got Boston. That's it. Okay. Um, I know we're missing a team here, and we're it's the Phoenix Suns. Yes. <laughs> and I'm more than happy to talk about that because they were in my second tier, which I think. Okay. So. Yes. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about the Suns then real quick because you had them in the second tier. I had them in my top tier as a ring chaser uh, this season. Obviously, they had the best record in the NBA last season, 64 wins for the Suns. They get knocked off in the second round by the Dallas Mavericks in seven games, as we mentioned. So a disappointing exit after the finals run the previous year. Uh, a lot of the same roster, uh, some drama, though. What's uh, What was the thought in keeping them out of the top tier, the ring chaser tier uh, this season? It was the inability to lock it down when they had all the opportunity in the world to go to a finals. Yeah. And they just did not get the job done. Um, I know that there's a lot of finger pointing at Chris Paul. He started off playoffs so hot, like Blitz played so well, and then seemingly fell off the face of the earth there towards the end of the playoffs. Uh, there's a lot of finger pointing for him. Um, Devin Booker can only carry a carry a team so much. Same thing with Michael Bridges. Um, can Chris Paul get it done in the playoffs is my biggest question. And so that's my big hesitancy with putting them up into that next tier. Yeah, the Chris Paul thing is tough just because he's already pretty old and he's not getting any younger. And they just feel like they rely on him and his leadership on the court so much that when he's gone, it's just an impact that's felt so much outside of just the box score. It's like a whole Mm -hmm. different team when they play without him. So I do think that's a fair estimation there. I do want to talk briefly about, because this is a team I realize we haven't discussed yet, but the Denver Nuggets. This is a team I had in my top tier as a ring chaser. And I think this is maybe a little bullish of me because, again, this is not a team that's really been near that top. They've been a team with a lot of hype and Nikola Jokic coming off back-to-back MVPs. They've been successful winning, but they haven't been successful in the playoffs. Uh, Last year, the Nuggets got bounced in the first round by the Golden State Warriors in five games. But I just think all that talent and no Jamal Murray last year was huge. I mean, Jamal Murray's health has been one of the biggest factors to them not being a true contender. But as long as he is healthy and Nikola Jokic is an MVP, I think this team is definitely one of those top teams, but I get not buying in on the health uh, there, but I just look at that healthy roster and I just say, that's got to work. Eventually they got to be healthy for a run, right? Like it's going to line up at some point, maybe. I don't know. 
eventually but i gotta see it yeah. and that's why they're in the second tier yeah so. no doubt uh this top tier mitch though this is pretty chive this is pretty easy for me golden state memphis milwaukee boston right I, I mean these are the teams right these are these are the ones that should be at at, at the top um it, uh, among this group that you have in your top tier who are you most excited about going into this season the milwaukee bucks Okay. The Milwaukee Bucks. I feel like Giannis has a chip on his shoulder right now. And knowing how good that team was and seeing the team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, losing to the Celtics, and knowing that that was a winnable series for them, I think that he's coming back with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. And I'm expecting an absolutely monster season, an MVP like season from Giannis. I mean, this, okay. this should be a huge year for him. I like that, Mitch. The one team I'm excited about, and it was one of the best stories or probably the story of the season last year is the Memphis Grizzlies. Number two on my list. Yep. And uh, much for the similar way that you laid it out, they go to the Western Conference semis and they lose to Dallas, the team they weren't supposed to lose to. Right. And then there's this disappointment of we didn't give ourselves the shot. We didn't get to see the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. We didn't give ourselves that final shot. And now there's a chip on their shoulder. They were the hunted last year. They were the surprise team. Everybody wanted to prove they were fake. Everyone wanted to knock them off. Now you're coming in with some with some dirt on your shoulder. Some, all right, we've been through this. We lost last year. Not again. Coming back with some heat. Coming back with some intensity. John Morant is a star in this league. Love to see it. Uh, I just love this roster and this and the energy, the culture around that team in Memphis. It's hard not to be a fan of what they're doing there. No, not. I mean, yeah, it's really hard to really hard to. But, you know, Jaw seems like a guy that can carry a team. And we saw that all year long. I mean, he had great supporting. He had a great supporting cast. But, you know, when they needed Jaw to step up and put up 40, Jaw stepped up and put up 40. And right. that I mean that's what you look for in a superstar on your team. No doubt. Absolutely, Mitch. Uh, let's wrap up this NBA preview with I'm going to put us on the spot here with some NBA finals predictions. So uh, I will go first here. Um, I want Eastern Conference, Western Conference and your prediction for who's going to win the finals this season. But I'm going to go first here out of the Western Conference. I'm rolling with the Memphis Grizzlies. I just talked about them going to be high on Memphis heading into this season. I'm going to roll with Miami, though, out of the Eastern Conference. I think the Heat may be being overlooked. A mad Jimmy Butler. Maybe they make a move for Dame. They put them over the top. I love that idea you brought up earlier. So I'm going to go Miami and Memphis. And I'm going to say the Heat get it done. Miami over Memphis in the finals this year. That's my Mm. prediction. So I'm on the spot now. I've made my thoughts known. Now you've got to go. Where are you rolling here? So out of the West, just they haven't given me a reason to not believe. Give me Golden State. Okay. I think we're going to see a Golden State Memphis Western Conference Finals, by the way. I just want to yeah, point that out. Yeah, I hope so. Um, But I'm going to take Golden State, and I'm going to take Milwaukee out yeah. of the East. And give me Milwaukee. I think I'm going to stick with you. An Eastern Conference team gets done. Give me Milwaukee to get it done over Golden State. Okay. I love that, Mitch. I will say uh, 
if I wasn't rolling with the Heat, I'd be rolling with the Bucks. Uh, that's that's my other team there out of the East. Obviously, Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis. It's just it's easy. They're incredible. What, yeah. they, what he does and what they do. Great stuff there. So I've got Heat over Grizzlies. Mitch got Bucks over Warriors for the NBA Finals. That'll do it for the NBA preview. Uh, looking forward to another great NBA season. All right, that was the NBA preview great stuff as always looking forward to this it's already been fun mitch we're just a week into it and uh there are already some great storylines in the nba as always rookies looking good the utah jazz just doing a horrible job at tanking and starting 3-0 i mean it's uh, it's already madness i mean i'm starting to feel silly about the the trailblazers already off to a hot start and yeah that too i had them in one of my lower tiers so like i'm already starting to feel silly about them it is early, but again, uh, just a fun start to the season already. We look forward uh, to more there. We're going to take a break here and hit our mid-roll. And on the other side, we'll do the campus tour, our week seven NFL recap, and give our quick picks for NFL week eight. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back into the second half of the sports hour with Mitchmo and Dallin. Hope you enjoyed your little break there. We got tons more to get into. We got week eight campus tour, the week seven NFL recap. And of course, as always, our quick picks, the fastest 10 minutes in the West for our quick picks. You've never seen 10 minutes go fast, go by so fast in your life. Let me do our quick picks because it's, yeah, you know. It, yeah, it, it, that's uh, it's also what Mitch uh, says to women on the first date, too. So, you know, it actually works. As a double uh, sort of uh, saying for you there. You're being generous with 10 minutes, my friend. But you know what? Let's get into the campus tour. That's enough of that. Can't We can't be doing that. We just can't have that. Bonk. Bonk on your part, Dallin. Let's get into the campus tour. I mean, tour. that was like too easy. Come on. All right. Campus. It was a softball. I cheated up for you. I yeah, get it. Yeah, but, right. you know. Uh, camp, campus tour. Campus tour. That's fine. Let's go around the world. Of college football, Mitch, with some recaps from last week. And let's start in the SEC, your neck of the woods, right down there with Alabama. And uh, big, one of the biggest, probably the biggest game, biggest story this week uh, was Ole Miss going down and going down big to LSU in the Bayou, 45 to 20. Tigers put it on. Ole Miss, who was ranked number seven in the country, undefeated up to that point. And, man, uh, after trailing 20 to 17 at halftime, LSU goes uh, scores 28 unanswered in the second half to get the win. Jaden Daniels was electric. 
Uh, and Ole Miss just falls completely out of the SEC race. And it, I, I feel like the main result out of this game, Mitch, is that it solidifies that this conference is going to uh, – it's going to be a three-team race in this conference. It's going to be between Alabama, Georgia, and the Tennessee Volunteers. Ole Miss at number seven, you know, had they had the opportunity and they got this win, maybe they could make a bit of a run and challenge Alabama uh, in the West, SEC West. But uh, unless LSU really makes some big improvements and obviously a big win, uh, it's going to be Alabama in the West, Georgia, Tennessee. We're going to see that game in a couple weeks, and it's going to be uh, one of those two teams versus Alabama. And uh, I kind of feel like we know that now it takes the luster out of that Ole Miss and Alabama matchup in a couple weeks, but ultimately an impressive win for LSU. Impressive win for LSU, but Ole Miss got exposed, man. They they yeah. they're just like, wow, this team really didn't deserve to be in the top ten. Like, not that LSU is a bad team, and that they like they lost to some, you know, they had some atrocious loss, but man, they're not number seven worthy because usually you go out and you handle games like this. You don't get blown out by 25. So um, it definitely shed some light on what the real Ole Miss is um, and a a good solid win for for the Tigers. Go Tigers. Yeah, absolutely. LSU is going to have the bye this week, and then they will host the Crimson Tide on November 5th, and that's going to be a big Big time matchup there. Uh, another test for Alabama. But again, I do feel like, you know, uh, with Ole Miss's fall and Arkansas turning out to be a good but not great team. And I think LSU is probably in that mix of a good, not great team. Definitely feels like Alabama's solid there in, in the SEC West. The SEC East, it's going to be Tennessee or Georgia. And again, those two teams uh, will meet here uh, soon again, on that same day on November 5th, it'll be uh, Georgia uh, hosting the volunteers there. So we'll get uh, clarity as far as that goes, but sec seems like it's three team race there with that big time us set. And speaking of uh, conference races, Mitch feel like some of these outcomes this week uh, definitely has shed some clarity on that. And I want to start in the pack 12 where the Oregon ducks, uh, handled the UCLA Bruins at home uh, in this one, 45 to 30. Uh, Oregon was up 31 to 13 at halftime. I mean, they were up big, they were up early, and it wasn't even close. And uh, the Ducks impressive in this one. They've just been impressive since that opening loss to Georgia. They've looked flawless since, Mitch. Since that opening loss to Georgia, in which they lost 49 to 3, they have failed to score under 40 points and they have scored over 40 points in every single game. And they have given up besides with the exception of the Washington state game, they haven't given up over 30 in a game. This offense is on fire. This defense is playing solid. This seems like a whole different team. And with that UCLA test out of the way, uh, Oregon's going to really be able to cruise until that matchup with Utah uh, in mid-November. But Oregon seemingly taking uh, the reins in this conference. They're the only undefeated team left in the Pac-12. And uh, they're going to have uh, the driver's seat for the Pac-12 championship game from this point forward. Yeah, I hate to say it, but Onyx is good. I trashed him earlier this year. Bonix is good. I, I I hate Bonix. I don't know why. I hate that guy. But he's good. He's he has had 
these these last three weeks he has been spectacular and uh he was spectacular again against UCLA UCLA Bucky Irving contributed in a big way 5.6 carry on 107 yards 19 carries um they have this Oregon team is <clears throat> kind of classic Oregon right they the defense is all right but man can they score and they can put up a lot of points really really quick as evident yeah, in that, that second quarter yeah absolutely and uh, you know, I we all trashed Bo Nix, Mitch. It wasn't just us on this podcast. I mean, there was a narrative coming out of Auburn. I mean, we know what he was at Auburn. It was disappointment, frankly. And that Georgia game looked like much of the same. But he has been a completely different player since, and it is truly remarkable to see what uh, he's been able to turn around uh, there in Eugene. And we'll see how the rest of the season goes for them. But, again, they're in the driver's seat in the Pac-12. USC and UCLA and Utah all have one loss in the conference. Uh, so those are sort of the uh, the next grouping there. And again, the Pac-12 got rid of division, so it's no longer North versus South in the championship game. It will just be the top two teams in the conference. So they can both be from either division, doesn't matter. But again, Oregon in the driver's seat, and then seemingly it seems like it's going to be one of Utah, USC, UCLA, depending how it shakes out there uh, as we still have some matchups as far as those go. But uh, some clarity there in the Pac-12. In the Big 12, Mitch, TCU earned a an important win this past week, getting it done at home over Kansas State, who uh, those two teams were the lone unbeaten teams in conference play in the Big 12. Now the Horned Frogs, the lone undefeated team in this uh, conference alone undefeated in conference play. They got the win 38 to 28 over Kansas state. Max Duggan continues to impress and Mitch that's four straight victories against ranked opponents, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma state, Kansas state. And now TCU has gotten out of the tough part of their schedule. That was the tough part of the schedule, Mitch. Now they go to West Virginia, Texas tech, at Texas, at Baylor, those aren't going to be easy closing out the season with Iowa State. But, I mean, that was a murderer's rose test, and they passed with flying colors. Uh, we'll talk about their ranking in the top uh, 25 here in a second. But Horn Frogs are cruising at the right time. The schedule is going to lighten up for a second, and then they'll have some tests before the end of the season. But DCU is in the driver's seat of the Big 12 at this moment. Screams of a team that should be getting a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, this is just a, this is a team that's got a, like you said, passed the gauntlet. They passed the gauntlet of of what they had midseason, and um, yeah, they're they're completely in the driver's seat of their own destiny now. Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't let up off the gas pedal, and this TCU team will be just fine. I mean, this is a this is a fantastic showing, and I think that they proved that they're exactly what what we thought they were, which is a very, very good football team. Yeah, absolutely. Very impressive in the first season under Sonny Dykes, uh, former SMU head coach who's come over to replace Gary Patterson. They're off to a fantastic start again in the Big 12. Uh, one loss teams at conference play behind them, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Uh, and again, the Big 12, similar to the Pac-12, no divisions here, just the top two teams will earn a spot. So, Right now, again, TCU in the driver's spot, Oklahoma State, Kansas State right there. And then you've got like Texas, Baylor, Texas Tech, two losses in conference play after that. So still some time left there, but 
TCU in the driver's spot there. And then, Mitch, let's jump over to the ACC, where Clemson uh, made a statement with their win this past weekend. Coming in comeback fashion, right? It was an ugly game. They dent, they benched DJ Uyunglele, and they got a win. They they got an ugly win over Syracuse, and in in a in a statement, right? Twenty seven twenty one comeback victory at home. And it's not going to be the prettiest game. It's not impressive by any means. But I think what it showed, Mitch, was that this Clemson team is for for real. They are resilient. They weathered a test. This was a test, a big test, a very good Syracuse team. Uh, you definitely could have dropped this game. But they weathered the storm with the backup quarterback. Uh, who starts from here on out? Is it DJ's job? Is Klubnik going to take over? I guess we'll see. But having defeated Syracuse, it puts Clemson in the driver's seat of the Atlantic division in the ACC, puts them on track for the ACC championship game. Uh, they, uh, they've already taken care of Wake Forest. They've already taken care of Syracuse. Um, those are kind of the two other teams in that division there. So Clemson's well on their way to the ACC championship game in the playoff contention right now. But a gutsy win. For the Tigers. Yeah, very gutsy. This is a good Syracuse defense. Really, really good. Um, and they they played exceptional. Will Shipley was fantastic against them, 27 for 172 and two. Um <clears throat> you taught you mentioned the, the benching of uh DJ Uyungale. Hey, I nailed it that time. How about that? Nailed it. Um nailed it. Look, and Cade Klubnik comes in and it, he didn't really do much. And so I, I'm not concerned about this still being young Lele's job. Like this is still DJ's spot. Like he's still going to be the starting quarterback. I think they needed to change it up for them to give themselves a chance. Um, obviously DJ was not playing well. Um, but I don't think if I'm DJ or a Clemson fan, I should be worried about any sort of quarterback controversy of, of who's going to start next week. I think it's DJ's job. Now, if these performances continue now we, we might start have to start looking at it at a change. But um, I think for the time being, it's still DJ's job to lose. Um, this was clearly just a, Hey, we need to try something different to try to get this win because this was a pivotal win for him. If they drop to Syracuse and Syracuse goes to seven and zero, and they drop to seven and one, we're talking about a different team um, at top of the ACC right now. Absolutely. No, I'm, I, I, I think it is something to monitor though. Uh, DJ was not good last year. It was a major disappointment and there was sort of a controversy around uh, that job potentially headed into this season. I don't think this helps DJ's narrative in any sort of way, though. I do think he's been good enough this season to warrant being the starter. They're number five for a reason. and He's led them to that. So definitely something to monitor another bad game for him. And perhaps they would think of a change, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think at this point, uh, I mean, I don't think you're making that move yet, uh, but something to watch as the season unfolds. Mitch, let's jump to our Heisman watch. And last week on the episode uh, <coughs> that you didn't get, we updated our Heisman watch with a new number one after Tennessee's upset of Alabama. We moved Hendon Hooker up to number one on our list, and we're going to keep him there. In fact, our top three from last week is going to stay the same. So Hendon Hooker, number one in the Heisman watch here on the Sports Hour. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, number two. Caleb Williams, 
USC quarterback number three. Two new spots at number four and five. Last week, we had Will Rogers, quarterback from Mississippi State, Blake Corum, running back Michigan. But this week, Bo Nix. Yes, the guy, the man, the myth, the legend. He's up to number four on the Heisman watch. And Max Duggan, the Horned Frog, he's number five on the list. So feeling good about these rankings, Mitch. I'm glad we're giving these guys some shine. And hopefully they don't disappoint us and drop out of the top five next week. Yeah, that would make us look dumb. Um, I <laughs> I am totally cool with I could flip Bo Nix and Max Duggan and still feel really yep. good about that. Max Duggan right now, 1,800 yards, almost 1,900 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, one pick, um, completing 65% of his passes, uh, is leading an undefeated uh, Horn Frogs team right now. Uh, he's been absolutely exceptional. And uh, – if he keeps that pace and if everyone else keeps pace, it wouldn't be surprising to me to see him in this top three conversation here in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Guy's been guy's been incredible. My my one of my favorite college quarterbacks this season so far. Absolutely. Been one of the best stories of the college football season. No doubt. I think the one name Mitch that feels like he should be in this conversation, but maybe it's a bit of attrition. Uh, is Bryce Young, right? Heisman winner from last year, who's sure. uh, having a fantastic season. But I think the, you know, being a one loss team and, and again, having won the Heisman last year, I just think we're kind of overthinking Bryce Young a bit, but definitely deserving. We'll probably be in the top five at the end of the season. But uh, he's just that one name that it feels weird leaving him off every week. But also, I haven't suggested putting him on. So clearly, I think he's where he's supposed to be. But it just feels a little weird. Yeah, it does feel weird to keep the defending Heisman Trophy winner out of the conversation right now, but especially when he's having a good season. But we'll yeah, continue right. to monitor this, and that's why we update it every week. You know, big performance next week, and maybe uh, you know you get bumped up. Uh, Mitch, our upset of the week, we're going with uh, a tough one, a game I had to watch, I had to suffer through uh, this past Saturday. Liberty upsetting the BYU Cougars. First sellout in Liberty School history. Hugh Free said it to his players on Monday that it was the biggest home game in program history. Liberty wants to be the evangelical version of BYU, the evangelical version of Notre Dame. And they made a statement with a huge win over BYU, 41-14. to 14. Uh, BYU was favored in this game. Liberty, uh, after the first quarter, really just dominated the Cougars in this one. It was, uh, it was tough. It was tough. It was an ugly loss. One of the worst losses, honestly, BYU's program history, legitimately in the last 10, 20 years, one of the worst losses they've had a uh, pretty tough spot for BYU, but a fantastic win for Liberty and big for their program. What, what happened to BYU's run game? I mean, did they just stop running the football. I mean, BYU's everything is bad right now, Mitch. They, I think I could rush for 250 yards against them on defense. I think they're going to give up 40 points every game, no matter who they play right now. It's, it's bad. It's very bad. It's bad in Provo. For a team that was a top 25 team just a few weeks ago, now sitting four and four, one and two in their conference, man, that's, that's a tough look. It's uh, definitely dropped off quick for BYU here. Uh, Liberty with the upset of the week over BYU. Mitch player of the week is going to Jaden Daniels, quarterback from LSU, former Sun Devil. He was with Arizona State for quite a while, but I had his best game as a Tiger. 
21 for 28, 248 and two touchdowns through the air, 23 carries, 121 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. It's five touchdowns in total and uh, just a big performance upsetting the number seven team in the country. He's had some up and down moments his whole career. It's it's a player I've always kind of liked, intrigued about the fit at LSU, but seems obviously, especially coming off of this game, he's coming into his own. Yeah, definitely coming into his own. Um, he's a one-man offensive machine this last week. So, um, guy put up some great numbers. Uh, totally deserving of being player of the week. Absolutely. I didn't. Re- I didn't realize how well he ran the football. I guess I don't know. Like I always liked the way he threw the football. I didn't realize how well he runs it as well. Yeah, it's certainly not something utilized nearly as much in Arizona State as as they've leaned on uh, in LSU. But clearly, it's worked. Uh, as they're six and two and uh, you put up the numbers that he had three rushing touchdowns over a hundred yards on the ground on 20 carries, big time performance for Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Showing athleticism, uh, having a great season uh, there in Baton Rouge, Mitch best moment play of the week. Maybe it's the best, maybe it's the worst. I don't know. Maybe I should rename this because every week I pick something that's not very good for the team that's suffering through it. But uh, this week's best moment of play is goes to Weber state who set an FCS record. With four safeties in a game, Mitch, four safeties, and they all came on bad snaps. They all came on bad snaps on punts. I don't know if like the long, I don't know if they were on their like six string long snapper or if this guy just had popcorn before he went out on the field or what, but go watch the clips of these. They are not even close. I mean, even on the last one, the punter just, you know, just kicks it out of the back of the end zone at the end. He's just like, this is insane. Weber State loses to Montana State. I mean, these are two of the best teams at the FCS level. Top five ranked teams in the FCS. Weber State loses 43 to 38, Mitch. They gave up eight points on bad snaps. They don't, they win the game. They win the game if they don't have these penalties. It's insane. It was, it's absurd. As a former long snapper myself, I can tell you that was the those were four of the ugliest long snaps I've ever seen in my life. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd have to look at what his hands were doing to know exactly what was going on. But, man, the way they were knuckling out, you know, he could have been he could have you know been rolling his wrists too early. He could have been trying to throw it between his legs rather than snap it between. The legs. There is a difference, by the way, I will say. Um and, you know, it's just it was disgusting. Like you to, I didn't even see this game. And you told me before we started recording, you need to watch this before we talk about it. Yeah. And I watched it and I I puked a little in my mouth. I'm not going to lie. Like it was it was disgustingly bad how bad that snapping was. Poor kid probably shouldn't be a long snapper anymore. Like he's, yeah. he's probably she's going to lose his job. And that's that sucks. But you know what? Like, hey, that's long snapping, baby. Like, you, Listen, you, you got to be dialed in all the time. And you know what? We see it all the time. Long snappers get blamed for bad holds, bad yeah, kicks. Right. It, it just goes to show how important that position is on special teams. If you don't dial that thing in, man, you could cost your team a game. And that's exactly what we saw in Weber State, Montana State. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, to his credit, Weber State long snapper. I mean, he was going to end up being an accountant or a dentist anyways. Like he's not, you know, the professional career was not happening for that poor kid anyways. So now you just know I can hang it up on this. And, you know, you have uh, you have a record. You have a record. Do you I, do you, I, I'd own that. I do you that. ride off into the sunset after that now? You just like oh, quit the yeah. team? I'm You're just, just like, I'm out. No, See ya. You don't quit. You don't quit. You're like, I'm just not playing. I'm, you know, don't put me on the field. I'll hang out for the rest of the season. But yeah, I got to hang it up on that one. You know, and I think everyone understands. That's yeah. probably for the best. That's rough. That's <laughs> a rough look. Tough seeds. Tough seeds for your boy out there. Mitch, let's do an AP top 25 rankings reaction from this past week. The top six remained the same from a week ago. That's Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama in that order. Tennessee, Oregon move up some spots, but remain in the top 10. Oklahoma State, USC, and Wake Forest move into the top 10. USC and Wake Forest are actually tied at number 10. They both uh, had 927 points. And so they are technically tied at that 10 spot. Uh, both in the top 10. LSU and South Carolina joining the top 25 this week. LSU, after the upset win of Ole Miss, moved all the way to 18, jumping in the rankings. And South Carolina, the Gamecocks, sneaking in at number 25. Two group of five teams in the rankings, Mitch, number 20, Cincinnati, number 23, Tulane. Other than that, Pretty much a lot of the same. Ole Miss falls to 15 after their loss. Kansas State after their loss falls to 22, but uh, nothing else too crazy. No, pretty chalk week, man. It's just shuffling. That's a lot of shuffling. Yes. Yes, a bit of shuffling as we hit the meat of the season, this final stretch. Teams make their moves in conference play, and let's jump to our games to watch this week. And to recap last week, so we made picks. You didn't hear them, but we'll go over them for you. The games we picked last week, Syracuse and Clemson. Mitch picked Syracuse. I picked Clemson. I got a point there for the Tigers win. UCLA at Oregon. We both picked the Ducks wisely. We both get the W there. Ole Miss and LSU. We both picked Ole Miss. I locked the Rebels. That was a big L for me, losing a minus one point there for the missed lock. And then Kansas State at TCU. I took Kansas State. Mitch took TCU. Mitch locked the Horned Frogs and got his lock. The line was minus three and a half. TCU covered that plenty. So Mitch got uh, three points there. So four points last week for Mitch, one point for me. And that takes our new totals to 26 points on the season for Mitch and 17 for you. Boy, wow, I am down big. I think this thing might be over at this point. I don't even know. Uh, But, you know, I haven't given up, but I'm certainly not optimistic. No, it's not over till it's over, buddy. Not over till it's over. You got time. We had a what? We had a four point swing not that long ago. So like, true. It can happen. It can happen. That is true. Well, we'll uh, we'll 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 see where it goes this week. And let's start in the SEC with a top twenty five matchup. Number nineteen Kentucky at number three Tennessee. The Volunteers favored 
minus 12 and a half this game over under 63 and a half. Tennessee got the cakewalk last week against UT Martin. Will Levis in his mayo in his coffee nasty ass self taking on Hendon Hooker, a matchup of two great NFL draft quarterback prospects here, right? Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, uh, that should be a lot of fun. I'll make my pick first here, Mitch. I'm rolling with Tennessee in this one. They're just the better team overall. I've been disappointed with how this ten- this Kentucky team has, has turned out. Just outside of Will Levis, I thought they were a little deeper beyond him. It seems a little more that it's dependent on his talents and ability, less so than or more so than the team around him. So I'm rolling with the Vols in this one. I'm not going to lock it. The line minus 12 and a half is that's a tough number. So I will just take Tennessee in the pick. It's a it's a titillating number, 12 and a half, right? Like we know how good Tennessee is. Kentucky has struggled at times over the last few weeks, but I don't trust that Tennessee can fully cover it. I think they'll win this game, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to lock them at minus 12 and a half. It's just, that's too rich of a number. Um, but I will say, um, I will take the over in this one. Absolutely. At 63 and a half. I'll, I'll, I'll take the over in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Hendon hooker, will Levis, uh, two gunslingers, two guys that know how to get the ball in the end zone. Um, so give me Tennessee, but the over, I'm not locking the, I'm not locking the spread. Okay. All right. Let's jump to the ACC Mitch for a matchup between number 10 Wake Forest and Louisville. This will be at Louisville. Wake Forest favorite in this game, minus four over under is 62. As I mentioned uh, earlier, Wake Forest j- moving into the top 10. They're 6-1 and one on the season. And their only loss came uh, to Clemson, 51-45 in that game. They've got a win on the road at Florida State. That's sort of the most notable game. They really haven't faced a tough schedule other than that. Uh, and this Louisville team, 4-3, and three, but... Losses to Syracuse, Florida State, and a one-point loss to Boston College. They beat uh, Pitt. They beat a good UCF team. I think Louisville's a, a decent ACC team. I don't know if they're great, but I think they're decent. And they get Wake Forest at home, and they get Wake Forest, who just moved into the top 10. Maybe they're feeling a little high and mighty. Maybe they're, you know, feeling a little uh, overlooking what this Louisville team could be. So I think this is a sneaky matchup, Mitch. I'll let you pick first here. Where do you want to go in this one? I love Sam Hartman. And I think that you and I are guilty of this also, not getting the Heisman love that maybe he should be getting right now. Almost 1,800 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, three interceptions, um, completing well over 64% of his passes. I'm taking Wake Forest, and I'm locking Wake Forest at minus four. I think that they okay. cover here. I, yeah, I'm not touching the over/under. I, I think this is a, a Louisville offense that could peter out against this Wake Forest defense, but I fully trust that Wake Forest is going to get it done in a big way over Louisville. Give me Hartman and the Demon Deacons. Okay, yeah, you know I love Sam Hartman and he's been great. It was a great story last year. Had the medical issues and 
I mean, just the fact that he's playing is incredible and uh, leading this Demon Deacons uh, team to a uh, fantastic season so far. But I'm going to roll with the Cardinals at home. I'm rolling with the uh, upset in this one. Give me Louisville. I'm not locking it, but give me the Cardinals uh, in the upset. Mitch, group of five matchup, AAC matchup. Number 20, Cincinnati at UCF. This game is even. It's a pick em on the line. So we agreed no locks on this one because how do you lock a pick em? Uh, so we're just going to pick out right on this one. But it is a great matchup. And uh, there would have been some more luster around this matchup had UCF not dropped their game against East Carolina last week. Uh Dropped them to five and two on the season. I mean, UCF was a borderline top 25 team. So we could have been talking about a top 25 matchup had the Golden Knights got it done, but they lost big 34 to 13 on the road at East Carolina. Their only other loss to Louisville this season. Uh, UCF's off to a good one, and they're going to host Cincinnati in this game. Cincinnati six and one Mitch. They lost the season opener on the road at Arkansas and have taken care of business ever since six and one on the season. I think this is a really fun matchup. I I could kind of, I mean, much like the pick them here, I could kind of go either way, but I'm going to roll with the Bearcats in this one. Cause I believe in the talent on this team and coming off of that tough loss to Eastern Carolina, East Carolina. I just don't know where this UCF team is at. Uh, this is a tough one. I'm going to go Cincinnati. Everyone has tough losses. And what's the best way for a good team like UCF is than to get a win against a ranked opponent. I like the golden Knights in this one. Okay. Golden Knights, black Knights, black Knights. Gold, uh, they're the golden Knights. Golden Knights, the that's Black right. Black Knights is Army. You're that's right, that's yeah. Army. Yeah. yeah, you know, Golden Black, you can confuse them a little bit. But sure. Yeah, give me the Golden Knights over over UC, over, over uh, Cincinnati. Uh, explosive offense. And you know what? A defense that's only given up 17 points a game right now. I Give me all that. Give me all that. I like yeah. UCF <laughs> in, in a pick em matchup. I like it. I like it, Mitch. Final game that we're going to pick here, a top 25 matchup in the Big 12. Number nine, Oklahoma State at number 22, Kansas State. We talked a lot about Kansas State. They lost to TCU last week. Only other loss on the season is to Tulane. Who's the top 25 team right now? Turns out the, uh, the, the tide not too bad there. So five and two on the season for Kansas State. And for Oklahoma State, their lone loss came on the road at TCU. They beat number 20, Texas. Uh, they beat number 16, Baylor, on the road. Uh, they've got some good wins. This is a good Oklahoma State team against a good Kansas State team. Kansas State's favorite at home in this one, Mitch, minus one and a half. Uh, I think that's fair given the given the home uh, the home team here, over under 56. I'm rolling with the Cowboys and I'm locking Oklahoma state in this one, Mitch. I like this Kansas state team a lot. I really do. We both picked them as our dark horse, big 12 conference champ, uh, the team that you just had to keep an eye on. And they have uh, definitely been that team so far this year, but uh, man, I, this Oklahoma state team is really good. They are just really good. So I'm going to roll with the Cowboys on this one. Yeah, I mean, they're putting up 45 points a game right now. I mean, 
that's that's nuts. That's nuts to be averaging that. Man, as much as I'd like to go with the dark horse, our preseason dark horse to the to the Big Twelve, give me the black and orange. I got to take the Cowboys in this one uh, over Kansas State. Um, and you know what? Give me the over. I think this this could be a high scoring game. I, two defenses that. Kansas State's defense is pretty decent. I think Oklahoma State's defense much weaker. Um, Kansas State's been has shown to put up big points against, you know, maybe me, you know, middle of the road defenses. Um, so give me the over in that one as well. But I'll take OK State. Okay. All righty, Mitch. Uh, to ramp up the campus tour, let's do the player oh. to know before. The, oh, not not the player to know. I no. bet we have. The college football question of the week. Yeah, we do. Um, drop the ball on that one, buddy. Uh, we were supposed to do this after the Heisman talk, and I and I totally spaced on it. But Dallin, <laughs> we brought up Max Duggan. Yes. Um, as as a quarterback now that should be in this Heisman watch conversation. Um, so that will lead us into our college football trivia question of the week. Brought up or brought to you by absolutely nobody. Dallin, are you ready? Yes. Very simple question. In relation to Max Duggan, TCU quarterback, being in the Heisman watch now, who was TCU's first Heisman winner? And it comes with a hint if you'd like it. First Heisman winner. They've had a Heisman winner. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've had some good players, but Heisman winner. Okay. It does come with a hint because I'll, this is. Okay. Well, I'll take the hint. Okay. This player has an award named after him now. Okay. Um. Okay, Mitch. I. I don't feel I don't feel great about this. But I got to go with I got to go with something here. I and I don't even know if this guy played for TCU. So we're going Earl Campbell. Oh. No, he was a Texas guy. He was he was in Texas, but he was University yeah. of Texas. <laughs> um this is Davey O'Brien. Davey O'Brien. What? Okay, I didn't know he was a TCU guy. Okay. Yeah, quarterback TCU. And I, it, to be honest with you, I mean, it was a long time ago, 1938. But um, yeah, he, he was, wasn't uh, around. But uh, <laughs> he does have an award named after him, which is awarded to what the best college quarterback, right? Yes, the best college quarterback on the year goes gets the Davey O'Brien Award. Um, but yeah, that's TCU's first Heisman winner. There you go. There you go. Love to see it. Uh, play, you know, history of great quarterbacks. TCU, Davey O'Brien, Andy Dalton. Dalton. What? Max <laughs> Duggan. You love it. We're not it. talking about the Andy Dalton award, though. I'll tell you oh, man. Yeah, that was the hint. I was like, well, I knew Andy Dalton knew in a Heisman. That's for damn sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Mitch. OK, player to know before the NFL draft for wrap up the campus tour, jump into the NFL. Uh, to recap who we've talked about so far, Michael Mayer, tight end, Notre Dame, Joey Porter, cornerback, Penn State, Drew Sanders, linebacker, Arkansas, Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas, Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC, Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. We're adding another quarterback to the list, Mitch. 
We're going to add a number of quarterbacks on this list before the draft comes up in April. But uh, coming off of the big upset a couple weeks ago over Alabama, uh, we talked about him as they have a big matchup against uh, Kentucky this week. But Hendon Hooker, the quarterback of Tennessee, is our player to know before the NFL draft this week. Six foot four uh, senior, started his career at Virginia Tech. Uh, had three seasons there, had a number of starts, had some playing time experience, but didn't go great in Virginia Tech, and he transferred to Tennessee, had a good year last year. And P- and there was hype around him coming into the season, right? What could he be? He was one of those potential guys, but he's gonna, he's older, right? He's going to be 25, his rookie season, uh, right? So age is, is going to always be like a factor with him. But when you're putting up the numbers that he is this season, uh, for the number three team in the country, you're going to get some attention. And what I love about Hooker is he just kind of does everything really pretty well. He's got accuracy at all three levels of the field. Uh, he's, he plays easy, right? I, I, I think mechanically, you look at just the way he plays quarterback, he plays it with ease, plays it with confidence, obviously an experienced guy. But when I look at him as a prospect, To me, Mitch, I think he's somewhere in between Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett. And when I say that, I'm talking about the path to prospect to NFL quarterback stardom, right? All these guys came out of nowhere. Joe Burrow was a power five transfer. Ohio State to LSU gets a second opportunity, makes the most out of it. Had a lot of experience, older prospect. Ended up being the number one overall pick over because he had such a big season for LSU, right? Record breaking, Heisman winning, all of that stuff. Then you have Kenny Pickett, older prospect, a lot of college experience, a lot of snaps, a lot of attempts, great last season, kind of built towards that his whole career. Older prospect coming into the league, and he ends up at number 20 with Pittsburgh. And I think Hooker is probably somewhere in between that. I don't think right now he's going to reach the tier of CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis. I don't think he's going to reach that now. But I'm saying this on October 25th. So who the hell knows? I mean, I could be, he could be the number one prospect in a couple months, right? I mean, that's just how this shit goes. But I think he's that next guy right now, clearly. He's that next guy. Now, is that next guy top 15? Is he top 12? Is he top 20? Is he just first round? We'll see where it ends up for Hendon Hooker. The age is not a concern. He's clearly showed the growth that he needs to uh, over the time at Virginia Tech and into Tennessee. He's mastered this offense. He's showing poise. He's showing everything you'd want out of a leader, the intangibles, the on the field. He's winning. I mean, what is there not to like about Hendon Hooker other than it took him a while to get here, right? I mean, that's it. It just it took him a while to get here. That's the gripe against Hendon Hooker at this point. So buy in. He is legit. He's going to be on draft boards. He's going to be in the first round conversation. Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee. I think that it, I'd much rather have a quarterback take a while to get there in college than in the NFL. Because in the NFL, you can get thrown out way too early and completely yep. ruin your career. So, um. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm I, the the age is not really a concern. You know who this reminds me of? Mr. Hendon reminds me of Donovan McNabb. 
bigger oh, okay. bodied, bigger bodied quarterback, great arm, but mobility. He moves around really, really well for a for a bigger guy. And um, so that's kind of the that's kind of the NFL comparison that I draw to is Donovan McNabb. And we, we all know how good of a quarterback Donovan McNabb was uh, at the NFL level. So super excited yeah. to see how Hendon Hicker or how Hendon Hooker um how he how he falls in the NFL draft and and uh, I have a lot of confidence that you know we could be talking about him as a as a top 15 selection when the season's all said and done if he continues this pace absolutely i mean i'll tell you right now uh and this is outside of the fact that he puts mayo in his fucking coffee which i will not get over but i would put i would take hooker over levis right now personally and i know levis is rising up a lot of boards i saw pffs mike renner put him top three on his draft board and the number two quarterback ahead of Bryce Young, I believe, uh, in his most recent ranking. So Levis, the love is rising for him, but I think he's raw. And I think Hooker has shown everything you want to. I don't think there's a lot of flaws other than just the age and the questions of, you know, how this sort of came about. But uh, if, if Pass has shown us, it doesn't matter. If he's legit, he's legit. Rapid, rapid fire. Rapid fire. So you said Hooker over Levis. Hook over, uh, Hooker or Stroud? I would still take Stroud over Hooker. Hooker over Caleb Williams. Ooh, well, it's, see, it's tough, Mitch, because Caleb Williams is the class of 20. If we're, if we're no, but Cole, no, 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 if you were just drafting him, if you're like all of them are uh, drafted. Anyone's available. I'd still take Caleb Williams. Over Hennon Hooker. Yeah, over Hennon Hooker. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to know where you fell against the other two guys that we were talking about top three. So yeah, fair enough. But I think again, the, the, the gripes against him and hooker are the right types of gripes. Oh, it's age. Oh, it's this. It's not like his mechanics are off, right? Oh, he doesn't throw a good deep ball. Oh, he's an accuracy issue. It's none of that. He does all of that. Well, that's why buy-in it's uh, teams are going to love this guy. Uh, I'm with it. That's the player to know before the NFL draft, more quarterbacks to come, more players to come. Uh, as we continue on that. Mitch, let's jump over to the NFL to wrap up the podcast here. Week seven recap, and then we'll get into the quick picks at the end. But let's start with our week seven NFL recap. And we're going to do some superlatives, as you've heard on here before, some categories to recap the week. And we start with our most impressive team from this past week of games. And Mitch, I'll let you go first here. What did you have as the most impressive team from this past week? Um. The Chicago Bears, baby. Oh, okay. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We're back, baby. We're back. I mean, Super con- Super Bowl contender, maybe. Um, I mean, look, this defense was fantastic. Oh. I know we're playing a lackluster Patriots team, but, you know, we just went out and absolutely threw our dick on the table and said, come get it, Bill. Bill didn't want any of it. Bill didn't want any of it. We absolutely annihilated the New England Patriots. Let me have my moment, okay? Just let me have my moment of looking at a Bears team that hasn't convincingly won a game in two years. Hasn't convincingly won a game in two years, and we convincingly beat the New England Patriots. That's impressive. I don't I don't care if the Patriots are now under 500. Like, that's a convincing win and something we haven't seen. Justin Fields looked really good. He looked good. The yeah. defense was fantastic. Yeah. No zappy no. hour in New England. I love it. Bears looked good. 
We'll see what it means for the rest of the season. I'm just saying, don't get your hopes up. That I'm not, I'm not like, getting my hopes up. I'm just saying, let me have, against, you said just Super let me have my moment. Contenders, maybe. that was in Come jest. On. That was in jest. You need to relax. <laughs> just, just let me have my moment. Let me have my moment. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, listen, it was it was impressive, Mitch. Bears getting it done. Justin Fields looking like a superstar, and that's what you love to see. Uh, from it and the defense coming up big three interceptions on the day uh, you know I, they're just look I know you're having a hard time finding good things to say about the Bears and I understand that <laughs> listen all right it's just that it's just not gonna last but it's a great Monday night performance and and for a team that fails so often in prime time it's good for them to have a dominant performance on the big stage you love to see it yeah and shutting up some Justin Field haters because there's a lot of Justin Field haters out there, and I don't get it. Uh, he was good in this game. He was good He's in this very game. Good. Love to He's see very it. Good. Uh, Mitch, my most impressive team this week, uh, easily for me, was the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, uh, that's boring. That's boring. An, an absolutely dominant performance against San Francisco on the road, 44 to 23. And uh, listen, this is a really good Niners defense, a really good Niners defense that had a lot of these pieces back. They'd been missing some guys, but, uh, you know, a lot of these players uh, were back for this game. And, man, uh, Kansas City just put it on. This offense is relentless, Mitch. I think that was the most impressive thing about this to me is it feels like things have finally clicked for Kansas City in this offense in this game. Right. Not only do you put up 44, but Mahomes in full control, just getting whatever he wanted. Uh, guys like Juju really finding their role within this offense. And I think that's what's most impressive is you knew that the loss of Tyree Kill was going to take some time to figure out what does it look like moving forward? Can it be as explosive as it was before without him? This game answered that question, Mitch. Yes, it can. Is it going to be as explosive as it was before all the time? No, because Tyreek Hill's not there. But can it reach those heights again? Absolutely, because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are there, and they still have enough weapons around those two uh, to make things work. So offense, Kansas City, very impressive in this game. Yeah, I mean... I didn't expect anything different from them. I mean, they're, they're, they're good no matter who they play. I mean, you it's expect annoying. them to beat the Niners by three touchdowns? I no, but that. No, but I mean, if you said, oh, the, the Chiefs are going to put up 40, you know, 40 plus, I would have been like, okay, yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I thought the Niners. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was, but, it was, yeah. no, I'm with you. It was impressive. Like Pat Mahomes was slinging the ball over the yard, but like, I, I, I guess I don't know. I'm just so numb to Kansas City's offense being good that it's like a it's like a oh yeah they did that this week okay like I don't know I just feel numb to that like numb to it now like it doesn't impress me anymore but right I, I mean you're I, Team I, Buffalo I, now you're all you know now it's all Josh Allen's a cool sexy thing uh, who are the Chiefs I don't well, want to play them anymore give me my cool toy. Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen hell yeah the Bills are fun the Bills are way more fun than the Chiefs. I'm just saying, let's, let's not count them out. That's all I'm saying. Don't count them out. Yeah, disappointing team, Mitch. Dis- who was your most disappointing team this week? I mean, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in bad shape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're in real bad shape. 21-3 loss to the Panthers. 
held scoreless through the first three quarters of the game. Tom Brady um, was Garbaggio. Uh, the run game was non-existent. Um, you know, it's it's like watching a really old dog that you know should have been put down a year ago just lay there and suffer. Oh. And that's the way I feel about Tom Brady. Like, he should have just... He just should have walked away. He just should have walked away instead of continuing to lick his wounds and try to keep being a, a, a for a a version of himself that he was five years ago that he's not anymore. And it, it like it's just that like it's just sad to see. And I know that he just said in a press conference he doesn't plan on leaving the NFL anytime soon. I don't know if that means that he wants to coach, if he wants to be an executive. I don't know really what that means. Um, but as Tom Brady should really if this pattern continues, which it doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon with as bad as the offense around him has looked as well. Maybe he should consider hanging up the pads and and finding something else to do in football, because his days as a quarterback, if they're not numbered already, the number is getting really low right now. Yeah, clearly this divorce is not sparking Tom Brady on this revenge tour where he's just tearing up the league like maybe I thought and others thought. Uh, it's been lackluster, to say the least, and this it feels like rock bottom of performances for Tampa Bay. The good news is, is that it doesn't get much worse than lose, give, scoring only three points to, uh, against the Panthers, but uh, it, it just looked bad all season, Mitch. And it's not just Tom Brady's fault, though. This run game is non-existent uh, in large part because the offensive line is not as good as it was last year because they lost pieces along the offensive line. Leonard Fournette got paid. So now all of a sudden he's not as good as he was last year. And when you're only relying on Tom Brady, who is 40,000 years old or whatever he is, uh, you're going to run into limits. You're going to run into challenges. And that's what it's been for Tampa Bay this year. So unless they get the run game going at some point this season and get better protection along the offensive line, it's going to be a rough season for the Bucks. Very rough. Very rough. And I, I feel bad for Todd Bowles, too. I mean, he had all the promise. And you know what? That's another thing. Let Todd Bowles run the defense. Take, keep his hands off the offense. Like, don't let him touch any of the offense. Just let Byron Leftwich do his thing. Yeah. I, 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 this is not the same Byron Leftwich ran offense that we saw before. Like, just let him do his thing. Well, how much of it is Bruce Arians? I, because Arians was there. And That's I know a question Leftwich too. Had a big role yeah. on the offense before, but you knew that Arians was coming in at the end and adding his flavor and adding his touch to it, and he is not there to do that. So, is that maybe why it's a little stale? I don't know. That's a question to ask too. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see. We'll see as the season progresses how they improve on that regard. But certainly something to watch. Mitch might have missed disappointing team this past week. It's the Los Angeles Chargers uh, who dropped a game big to uh, the Seattle Seahawks, 37-23 at home, a two touchdown loss to Seattle. And Mitch, this this Chargers team is four and three on the season. Uh, they've had some good moments, but I mean, they really haven't beat anybody good. They've beaten the Raiders, Texans, Browns, and Broncos. Losses to the Chiefs, Jaguars, and now Seahawks. Again, this this an ugly loss by two scores, but this Chargers team is 
starting off the season as a bit of a disappointment. I know they're four and three and it looks okay, but we keep expecting them to make the leap, Mitch, and they don't make the leap. They haven't leaped yet. They're still just they're They're still the chargers with all the potential, but all the flaws, right? We haven't seen them put it all together. Like we've been waiting for. And this game was just another Testament of that. I just don't know if we're going to see it. I'm starting to lose a little bit of that belief. It's really making me start to question is Brandon Staley, the guy Mm. like you can, you can win a decent amount of regular season games. Guys really like, I mean, it's no question that the players like them, but like, can you be a winner and excel enough to put yourself and your organization in a position to be a playoff team? And I I think we really need to start. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat by any means, but like we, we need to start asking that question is, okay, this is year three of the Brandon Staley project. We need to, we need to start thinking about, okay, is this really the guy that that's going to be able to take the chargers to the next level? And right now I haven't seen much of anything that's, that shows me otherwise. Like, I, I don't think that maybe he's not, I'm starting to think maybe he's not the guy. Yeah, they certainly need uh, need to I don't want to say turn things around because, again, they're over 500, but this is not the start we expected. And again, when you look at their schedule and who they played, there are winnable games here that they've lost and they haven't beat anybody that impressive. So uh, when the schedule gets tougher, when they have to play the AFC West as heavy as they will uh, and play the Chiefs twice, which they haven't, uh, that's going to be some tough tests coming ahead. For L.A., Mitch, our overreaction of the week. I'll let you go first. What's your overreaction? Okay, I need you to bear with me. I need you to bear with me here, listeners. And Dallin, listen, just bear with me. Don't count out the Raiders. Don't count them out yet. I know it's been a rough start. Things haven't been all that solid. I know the defense is still exceptionally suspect. I think the pass game will work itself out. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and the crew, they'll they'll figure it out. There's a guy they can lean on to get this done, and it's Josh Jacobs. And the no, again, it's like, whoa, why can they lean on Josh Jacobs? Let me give you his last three games. 28 for 144 and 2, 21 for 154 and 1, 20 for 143 and 3. Who's that sound a hell of a lot like? Oh, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, who worked who was working in an offense that had a lot of question marks around him last year. We weren't sure if they were going to be able to to be a successful team with Jonathan with with, you know, outside of Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor kept that team afloat. Josh Jacobs is putting up 2021 Jonathan Taylor like numbers right now. I think that if you can just ride Josh Jacobs for a couple more weeks. Maybe one more week and let the pass game figure it out. You can put up enough points to get yourself back in the conversation of a wild card spot. So I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to win the division. I'm not even guaranteeing that they're going to be a playoff team. All I'm saying is don't count them out just yet. Okay. Yeah. You know, still early in the season for the Raiders two and four uh, right now, but you know, I, it's just, I think it's just going to come down to the defense. Ultimately the offense, I think will get figured out. I Take off eventually, and certainly having Jacobs playing at the level that he is is helping. But uh, you know, we'll see. It was you know they got the Texans, only gave up 20 points against the Texans. That's a good performance. But 
you know, when they face some tougher tests, when they have to play, uh, you know, Kansas City again, when they have to play uh, the Chargers, you know, how will they face up? We'll see. But uh, good to get back in the W column there. I'm going to say that's a bit of an overreaction. I, I, I well, I, I don't think it's an overreaction to say don't count them out, but I don't think the division, but they are, you can't count it out yet. It's still too early. Still okay. too early on the Raiders. My overreaction, Mitch, uh, is the Packers should bench Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, it looks like he doesn't want to be there anymore. So what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? He 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 looks so disinterested in playing quarterback for the Green Bay Packers that he would rather throw a ball into the dirt on the screen than like hang in the pocket for an extra half a second and find a guy downfield. Like he is the body language is so bad with Aaron Rodgers and this green Bay team that when they lose to the bills on Sunday, they should bench him for Jordan love the next week against the lions play Jordan love. I'm not even saying play Jordan love for the rest of the season. I'm saying for that one game, sit Rodgers on the bench and say, your attitude sucks. Your play is not helping. We need a change of pace. We need positive energy. We're giving the kid a shot. Got Detroit. That'll be a great opportunity. I, at this point, if you're Green Bay, what the hell do you have to lose? He's going to probably retire at the end of the season anyways. You're three and four right now. The season's a major disappointment. You got to do something. You got to do something. I'm going to put all biases aside because you know my disdain for Aaron Rodgers and what he does to the Chicago Bears every time they feature. I'm going to put all my biases aside. I have never heard a more disgusting comment come from someone in the sports talk never never i have never heard a more disgusting comment he should be pissed off he should be what do you expect him to do he's never had a wide receiver to throw to he's never had good weapons to throw to what do you expect the guy to do he's thrown for 50 almost 1600 yards 11 touchdowns three interceptions in that embarrassing wide receiver core that he has in green bay he's played his ass off he's not always well protected the defense has been hit or miss at times what do you, how do you expect the, the guy to feel great. he did it to himself mitch he did this how to did himself. he do it how did he do it to himself to never get a Aaron weapon rogers i can't I believe, believe i'm doing it either I, but rogers i need to put all no, I'm, I can't believe I'm doing it either, but I need to put all biases aside and call you out on this. That's absurd After, that you think they should bench Aaron Rodgers this early yes. in the year to start Jordan Love? For Are you out of your mind? Just, no. Mitch, what's the point? What, what, like, what, what is he going to – how is it going to get any better than what it is right now? It's not good. They need – a. You just watch the tape. They lost the commanders, Mitch. It was an awful performance. They lost. Go the get him something. Before. Trade deadlines on the first. It's go not going to figure help. it out. So they can go it's not going to help. What do you think Aaron Rodgers is throwing? Aaron Rodgers is throwing a touchdown pass to one first Mitch, rounder in his entire it career. Is not that, and that's not it because he's won Super Bowl. So what's it this year, Mitch? If it's not that, it's not just Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers put himself in this You cannot situation. pin this. Let's you not cannot just, pin let's this. Let's not just blame the Packers. Lack of success like on Aaron Rodgers. Inept, inept organization who just they are. failed their quarterback. They have not, Mitch. They're one of the best organizations. They almost the lost league. them because they I haven't gotten weapons. What are you talking about? I understand 
that the weapons aren't great around him, but he's got Aaron Jones. They had one of the best offensive lines in the league until they haven't been healthy this year. And this team is a mess and it's partly his fault. He's the leader of the team. It's not his fault. Yes, it is. What do you I expect him to do? Go for owns... 20 instead of 11 so with all just... those with the lack of stuff that he has to throw yes. to? What do you want him to do? Yes. He should win games. He should he should rally his team if he's this great leader, this great quarterback. He's sitting there pouting on the sideline in between series. He's pouting. Then on we the should field then we should hold series. Tom Brady to the same standard. We Absolutely. Hold Tom... Bench him for Gabbard. What are you doing? Like, what do you have to lose? You're gonna just, that's throwing in the towel too ugly. early, dude. That's throwing in the towel too early. I can't believe you would sit the most talented quarterback about we've the seen in this, our generation. Listen, you need to spark change in the organization. I'm not saying you do it for the rest of the season. I'm just saying for that Lions game, put Love out there. If he looks great, you don't think that would be a confidence Rogers. builder for him to go light him up for 404. You don't think that would be a confidence builder for Aaron no, Rodgers? because he's not going to do it because they haven't done it this whole season. And you think so Jordan Love would? Suddenly going to turn around against Detroit. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're out of your you mind. Think Aaron Rodgers is going to turn around over Detroit? No, no, no. You're so out. You're so far out of pocket. It's ridiculous. I can't believe Mitch is defending Aaron Rodgers here. I this can't either, insane. but I, I need insane. to call bullshit when I see it. And that's, that's right. absurd. That's okay. absurd. Fair enough. Mitch, who is your MVP from this week? Um, my, I can't believe that. Do you wow. want me to go first? My MVP this yeah. week, Mitch, is Steve Wilkes. Interim head All right, coach yeah. the Carolina Panthers okay. earned his first win as the Panthers head coach with the win We're over back the on Bucks. the same track. And listen, Wilkes okay. is a Charlotte native, and he's really galvanized this team. You can feel the energy around the Carolina Panthers is different. The team loves this guy. They believe in this guy. I think they're going to root for him to win this head coaching job moving forward. Uh, he got the game ball from the owner for the win uh, on Sunday. So love that for Steve Wilkes. He's our guy. MVP for the week. Yeah, I finally something we're on board about, man. I love that. Uh, Steve Wilkes did a fantastic job um, in his re-debut, if you will, um, as a head coach. Um, fantastic job by the coach, man. Uh, outstanding job for Steve Wilkes. Um, my MVP of the week is they kind of go hand in hand, but it's Pete Carroll and really the whole Seahawks organization. Um, this team, this is a team I think I had winning three games the entire year. They're sitting four and three atop the division right now. Um, and I want to commend them on letting Russell Wilson go. I want to commend them on that uh, because I don't think Russ really wanted to be in Seattle anymore. And rather than paying the guy a quarter of a billion dollars to sit there and play in a city that he did not want to be in anymore. Pete Carroll said, that's fine. I got a guy that can do the same things you can do in this offense. And he found it in Geno Smith. And Geno Smith's been, while not great, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty good, and he is, they have found a good replacement or at least a good placeholder over, you know, the well, after the absence of Russell Wilson. And I need to I need to give big props to the Seahawks organization and Pete Carroll as well for, for continuing to not stray away from the game plan, find a great replacement for Russell Wilson, and trust Geno Smith that he's going to do that job and not have to pay a guy a quarter of a billion dollars to suck ass, which is exactly what the Broncos are doing with Russ. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see that, like, to feel that they've already won this trade, especially when you look – the fact that they own the Broncos first round pick, which right now is projected to be in the top five. So they can still get 
have a great season with Geno Smith and be in position to get their quarterback of the future if they so please in next year's draft, right, with two first-rounders and multiple picks and probably one of those pretty high up there already. So uh, no matter how the rest of the season plays out for Seahawks, this is already a W for them. Ken Walker, by the way, he was my runner-up for MVP this week because he had a big game uh, this past week, the Seahawks rookie running back. He looks like a hit for that organization. So, yeah, big Ws for the Seahawks right now who look well on their way to a solid rebuild. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mitch, the big L of the week uh, this week, I'm giving to uh, all Matt Ryan revival talk. Uh, Man, I was I was buying it. I was buying it in the preseason. I was buying into the Colts. I'm not giving up hope yet on the Colts, but uh, I was buying into Matt Ryan. And you know what it was? It was like, oh, look at that 2020 season with Phillip Rivers. Right. They went 11 and five. He was pretty good. They were this, you know, really efficient team. They could probably do that with Matt Ryan in 2022. Like, that should be enough. Well, it has not been enough, Mitch. Uh, after this previous loss, uh, Matt Ryan has been benched. Uh, benched for the uh, Sam Ellinger, the Texas former Texas quarterback. Uh, and this is not just because there's like a slight shoulder issue for Ryan. Uh, the, the coach came out and said, Frank Reich said, he is, the, Ellinger is the quarterback for the rest of the season. It is week eight, Mitch. You were talking. We were talking about that with Aaron Rodgers giving it to Jordan Love. Now they are giving it to Sam Ellinger. Now they're three, three and one on the season. It's not like the Colts are just out of this thing. You know, it's not like they're zero and seven and they're like, "Fuck it, we're done." You know, they're still in the thick of this thing and they're turning it over to Sam Ellinger. That's the lack of belief right now in Matt Ryan. And wow, how quickly that turned! I did not see that coming, especially at this point, uh, so early in the season. Yeah, I mean it, it's uh the Colts are, the Colts are in a bad spot right now. Um, I, I, it's it sounds like Frank Reich has been impressed with Sam Ellinger in practice. Um, so maybe there's there's some hope there. Um, he still got his guy from from his Super Bowl run with the Eagles. Uh, Nick Foles waiting in the wings. Big Dick Nick might make a reappearance here and maybe help the Colts win a few games, but. Um, it sounds like it's Sam Ellinger's show and a, a guy that was a decent quarterback at Texas in college. Maybe this is uh, the opportunity he needs to um, maybe showcase what he's capable of doing. So I, I think it's a I think it's a perfect situation for Sam Ellinger because now he has Matt Ryan that he can he can go to for advice with this. It sounds like it was an amicable decision like he's going to he's going to sit out. He's he's playing banged up anyway. So um, sit down, let the young guy get some work. And um, it, it's really a good situation for Sam Ellinger, I think. Yeah. Who's your uh, big L this week? I know I just went to bat for Aaron Rodgers, but it's the Packers. Um, I know. I know. You're a clown. Why, yeah, why you, am I a clown? You're defending him, and then you give him the big L of the week, but I'm being ridiculous. They lost to the Commanders. What do you want me to do? They lost to Not Taylor Heineke. his ass for 10 minutes? That's fine. Well, no, it, it, and the big L really falls in the Packers because it's it, it just continues to shine every single time. Like it, he went 23 for 35, 194 and two touchdowns. While throwing to Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, Robert Tony, and Amari Rogers, Samori Torre and Romeo Dobbs, who didn't even catch a ball. Like it. it it's it's Am just, I supposed it's, to have a pity party for Aaron Rodgers? Like I'm I don't not care. having a pity. I'm not having a pity party for him. I'm just stating facts. 
The guy doesn't have a whole lot to win with. He doesn't. Right. And if he's as great as he is, then he should be doing more. And, oh, oh, it my is a God. big L right now. Oh, it is a big L for them right now, Mitch. They're, they're what, like two and a half games back in Minnesota in the in the NFC North right now. And obviously, yeah. again, early in the season. But, uh, you know, Minnesota looks like pretty much locked into the playoffs right now. And the NFC East looks better with some teams with really good records. It's like if Green Bay doesn't turn it around quick, I mean, they might not just be out of the NFC North. Like they might be at the edges of a wild card race. I mean, they time, there's no more wait time wasting for green Bay. They got to turn things around quick. Really quick. They have turned things now around really quick. Yeah. Maybe Jordan loves the answer. Who knows? Uh, Mitch, let's go to our quick picks for the week of NFL. NFL God, you're infuriating Uh, sometimes. Mitch extended his lead. In the quick picks last week, you went 10 and four on our picks. I went seven and seven. That puts our season totals at the following. Mitch is at 63, 46 and one. I am at 56, 53 and one. So seven games back of Mitch in the picks. Uh, I'm feeling good about this week, though. I'm feeling okay. good. This is the week where we're coming back up. I'm going to get out of the 500 stretch because I've been basically at 500 every week for like ever. So I'm going to have a good one. I'm ready for it. There you go. All right. You're due. You're due. Yeah, I am due. And let's uh, start it off here with Thursday night football. The Baltimore Ravens headed to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady in the Bucks after the disappointing loss. Can Tom Brady bounce back? No, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens get it done on Amazon Prime. Give me the Ravens. Yeah, I got the Ravens in this one. Things are in bad, bad shape in Tampa Bay. And uh, I don't see Tampa Bay pulling themselves out of this one this week against a really good Baltimore team. Give me the Ravens on the road on Thursday night. Hi, Dally. We got a game in London this week. The Denver Broncos are leaving Mile High Stadium. To not head to the swamps of Jacksonville, but to head to, is it Win Wembley? Is it in Wembley Stadium? They might be playing at Tottenham. I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't understand your accent. (laughs) Uh, They might be playing at Tottenham. Uh, Uh, Okay, Tottenham. I've got a check here. All right, I'm googling. I'm doing the little Google machine. All right, well, the Denver Broncos. Uh, uh, oh, no, they're at Wembley. Oh, they are at Wembley. Oh, God, good. They're on the pitch at Wembley. They're on the pitch at Wembley. They're taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, a good bounce back week for the Jags. Uh, Denver sucks absolute ass. Denver going to have a wank over there in London, but give me the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Denver Broncos. I love it. Jacksonville this is basically a home game for them, right? I mean, they are the London resident team. So yeah. how, do you, how do you pick against the home team here? I'm going with the Jacksonville. They're not in the swamps of Jacksonville. They're in the bogs of London, Mitch. Oh, a bog. I love a good bog. <laughs> Sunday morning slate, the Miami Dolphins are headed up from South Beach to Detroit. Basically the same thing. To take on the fighting Dan Campbells and the Detroit Lions. Give me Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins getting the win on the road here. Good opportunity for them to get right after things were just a little off last week for Miami. Yeah, Miami big in Motor City. Big in Motor City. Give me the give me the fins. 
over the Lions. Following that game, Carolina, they're leaving North Carolina to head down to Hotlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. Give me the Falcons at home in a tight one. Um, I think that it was a great win for Carolina, a good uh, momentum shifter for them. But, you know, this is a team that's depleted for all the right reasons, and it's because they're trying to make a rebuild right now. Um, Atlanta has been playing scrappy the entire year. I like the Falcons in a tight one over the over the Panthers. I think this is going to be a close game as well, Mitch, but I am rolling with the Panthers. Keep pounding. The team believes in Steve Wilkes. This defense is playing tough this season as they did last season. And I think that'll be just enough to get a low-scoring win over the Falcons. Give me Carolina. Mitch falling that. The Arizona Cardinals are headed from the desert up north to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Vikings off to a hot start. But I am going to roll with Kyler Murray on this one. Give me the Cardinals on the road. I, I think this Minnesota team is very, very, very good. Um, hard for me to take uh, Arizona up in Minnesota with the Vikings playing as well as they are. Give me the Vikes over the cards at home. Following that game, we got the Bears, and they're leaving the Windy City to head over to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Looks wrong, smells wrong, feels so right, Bears. I love this, Mitch, because it gives me an opportunity to get a win in the column on the picks. I'm rolling with Dallas at home. Dak is back, and things are looking better. I know the box score wasn't great against Detroit last week, but it will look much better against Chicago. Give me the Cowboys. Hey, I, like, I said, I said, things weren't going right when I wasn't picking the Bears. I started picking the Bears. Boom, I'll start putting up 10 yep. wins a week. So, rolling with it. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough, Mitch. The Raiders are headed down to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints. Give me Nolens at home to get the win. Nolens is going to have to practice a little voodoo down there in the Big Easy to beat the Raiders. I got the Raiders in the Superdome over the Saints. Give me the Raiders on the road. Following that game, Pittsburgh, they're leaving the Steel City to head over to the city of brotherly love, a Pennsylvania matchup to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Man, this is, this is a really good football team against the Pittsburgh team that's struggling at uh, for the majority of the season. Um, Philly, big over Pittsburgh. Yeah, the Philadelphia Phillies will be hosting World Series games a few days after this game on Sunday at Lincoln Financial. And uh, Mitch, I'm rolling with the Eagles in this one. Fly, Eagles, fly. They win the state of Pennsylvania. They win on Sunday. Following that, an AFC East matchup. The New England Patriots headed to the Meadowlands. East Rutherford to take on the New York Jets. Will Bill Belichick bounce back after a disappointing Monday night loss? Unfortunately for the Jets, I say yes. Give me New England. Getting it done on the road. Hide your mom. Hide your wife. Because Zach Wilson is coming to town. Give me the Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets over the Pats. Um, in New York. In East Rutherford. I like New York in this one. Sunday afternoon slate going to kick off 
But the Tennessee Titans, they're leaving Music City and headed down to Houston to take on the Houston Texans. Give me Tennessee in this one. They're actually playing a lot better than I thought they would, and Houston is a struggling team right now. Big loss to the Raiders last week. Um, I, I like Tennessee in this one. Damian Pierce runs for 150 yards and two touchdowns, and the Texans get win number two. I'm rolling with long neck Davis Mills and the Texans at home in this one. Mitch, give me Houston. Following that, the Geno Smith revenge game. That's right, folks. Geno against the Giants. He played for the Giants. It was a brief time, right? I know he was a Jet, but he played for the Giants. He's going to be motivated for revenge. Wasn't that where he punched someone, or is that with the Jets? Or <laughs> I don't remember. I feel like they're those ten years just meld into each other. Uh, suffice it to say, Geno Smith's on one. And he's hungry and he's ready, and so is the Seahawks team. And I'm rolling with the Seahawks at home, baby. I think it's going to be a tight one, but the Giants have won all of their games by one score or less. Their biggest margin of victory has been eight points this year in a tight one. Give me the G-Men on the road in Seattle. I like the G-Men here. Following that game, Dallin, it's garbage game of the week. Yeah, absolutely. This is just this is just hot garbage. Straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. I look, uh, Washington, they're leaving the nation's capital ahead up to Indianapolis take on the Indianapolis Colts. Sam Ellinger, Taylor Heineke. That's a that's a quarterback matchup I thought I'd never see, but here we are. We're going to see it. Give me Sam Ellinger and the Indianapolis Colts over the Washington Commanders in this one in a tight one, low-scoring 2017 Colts. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Manders on this one. Got the win over Green Bay. Follow that up with another big win to stay alive in the NFC East. I mean, that's a tough division, but... Washington not going away away right now. They're three and four chance to get to five on the road. Give me Tyler Heineke and the Commanders. Last Sunday afternoon game, Mitch NFC West matchup: Niners and Rams. And listen, before we started recording, we were looking at this game and we both waited to pick the winner on this game. This was the one that was like, I need a second to look at this because I don't know where to go on this one. Tough call here between the Niners and the Rams, but I'm going to roll with L.A. on this one. I'm rolling with the Rams at home, and I'm thinking the offense just gets a little right this week. I'm not saying it breaks out, but this offense has been downright atrocious this season. They need to get something figured out. I think they get right on the back, back on the right track this week against him. Ah, man, this was a really tough one, and for a, there was a lot of reasons why I should pick the Rams. But I think San Francisco has a bounce back week after that big loss to the Chiefs. Christian McCaffrey becomes more involved in this offense. And San Francisco wins a close one over the Rams in the City of Angels. Give me San Francisco over the Rams on the road. Following that game down, Sunday night football. Green Bay, they're leaving the state of Wisconsin to head over to upstate New York to take on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo coming off the bye week, well-rested. Green Bay, tough loss last week to Washington. Give me the Bills over the Packers in this week. Yeah, you know, before the season, he had circled this Sunday night game as one of those 
premier matchups of the season. Must-watch TV, Packers and Bills. But, man, this is not that. And I didn't hesitate at all in my pick here. I'm going with the Bills at home. This Packers team has looked awful. This defense is solid for the Packers. It's the only reason why they have the record that they do. But this offense is anemic, and they're not going to get anything done against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night. Give me Buffalo in this one. Monday night, Mitch, AFC North matchup, an Ohio battle. The Bengals headed to Cleveland to take on Jacoby Brissett and the Brownies. Oh, man. I'm rolling with the Bengals and Joe Burrow in this one. They may have the second best city in Ohio, but they do have the best team. Yeah, I mean, Heartbreak City last week for Cleveland on a questionable call there at the end of the game with the false start. Um, Browns right now are are in a tough state, and I think that um, this will carry over into this week. Give me the Bengals over the Brownies um, on Monday Night Football. The The Ohio River battle goes to the Cincinnati Bengals this week. Okay, that's going to do it for the quick picks. And that's going to do it for the podcast. Uh, fun being here, as always, breaking it all down for you. Appreciate you joining along. If you don't already, follow the social medias. The Twitter is at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at The Sports Hour Guys, the TikTok at The Sports Hour Guys. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dallin Graff. Check out the website if you haven't already, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. Mitch, remind the people about Anchor. Anchor is the only place that you can become a permanent part of the conversation. Get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. Leave us a voice message. We want to hear from you. Ask anything that you want to ask. We'll play it live right here on the show. Um, that once again, that is anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find us. Just look up the Sports Hour guys and we'll be there. Uh, get on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better. And we'd very much like to do that, even 145 episodes into this dang thing. So please leave us a review, leave us a rating, uh, let us know what you think. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, great time of the year. Great doing the podcast with you, as always, my friend. I uh, look forward to much more coming up here uh, rest of the month, uh, more in November. I mean, geez, World Series. Uh, fun time. It's a fun time of year. Very fun time. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Until next time, we love you. Appreciate you. And we will catch you next week. See ya. See ya.